Hey, we made it. We made it to the end of the summer of lists. The summer of lists comes to a close. And we're talking about television again. That's good times. So. What a long time it's been. been. a long time. Years, in yeah. fact. Like yeah. eight. Yeah. The better part of a decade. And I've yeah. watched a TV show since then. I've not. I, I, I have. It's just been on repeat. Odds are I have spent glo- clocked more hours on television than film in the last eight years. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think the odds are good for that. Yeah, TV the just in, be on in the background a lot, you know? There's no chance. Yes. I don't do movies on in the background no, very often. I don't either. Because I, I have a hard time not I can't just, do it. He yeah. does it a lot, and I don't know how he does it. Yeah. Because I just miss the movie, and then I'm like, why did I even put yeah. this on? Totally. Unless it's something it. I've seen several times or yeah. recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know what I did, though, last night? Did you watch a movie? I, well, <laughs> I watched a couple of movies this weekend. Okay. But last night, I put on Mission Impossible mm. just for fun. Well, I was like, it was hard. Yeah, I was just kind of like winding down. Yeah. I was kind of getting... Becca was already yeah. asleep on the couch, and I was like, you know, kind of doing end-of-night stuff. It's just nice to have going, because, yeah, it does go extremely hard. Yeah. And yeah. it was fun to leave the room and be like, I bet by the time I get done, you know, brushing my teeth and having a cigarette and come back, I bet it'll be at this part, and it wasn't that yeah. part. Nice. It was very satisfying. Uh, red and blue. Push them together. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Got the Red light, green light. Uh, yeah. Coach Bombay. Yeah. Uh, Gordon a- Bombay. Estevez getting bit. stabbed in the face good by moment. an elevator. Yeah, incredible. The Palma's having fun. That movie's fun. It would have been 100% better if John Voight had been eaten by a snake and vomited out, though, at the end. Sure. That's what I wanted. Kittredge is back in the new one. He's in several of them, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's in a couple. Yeah, I think he's not in all of them. He's a good character actor for just like this awful, you know, venial man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, this then, is, well, after the first one, he's kind of vindicated. He's like, he's not the bad guy. He just got... Yeah. It was a weird framing setup in It the seems first. like he's going to be a bad guy in the new one, or he, there's some menace well, to anybody him. telling Tom Cruise no is a bad guy. That's sure. True. I'm very excited for the new one. I've heard nothing but good things. I actually have seen one, I think it was David Chen, uh, who was like, eh, not it. as good as Fallout. Okay. Yeah. But that's like... The Fallout is incredible. Very good, so. yeah. Yeah. That's like following up um, Skyfall. Yeah. 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 Truly. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of been the interesting thing about this. We are still technically talking about television. Mission Impossible. Was a TV show. Was yeah. a TV show. This is Correct. all on topic. Uh, <laughs> Tom Cruise has been on TV shows. Yes. So, yes. Uh, yeah. He jumped on a couch on one I saw. Doing his own stunts already. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, it's it's been a kind long of in... way up there. <laughs> For <Yeah>. him, it is. <laughs> it's not that, you know, it's not that far up there Putting for him. Much get know? on a step ladder, yeah. man. That <laughs> lollipop guild would have been threatened. Yeah, I get it. You're just saying. That's right. They got OSHA violations. They're going to yeah. have union reps coming when you, in. There. When you think about the ratios, the couch is a big step think up. Think about I the couch you. union. <laughs> oh have God. they struck yet? Wow. Yeah, the couches. Uh, truly underutilized and underappreciated uh, aspect of uh, talk show production. I heard they walked out, and that's why they moved to armchairs on the Tonight Show <laughs> during funny. COVID. That's very funny. Uh it's just weird that Christopher McQuarrie has kind of taken over this franchise, right? Do you think it's because, like, Cruz just, like, has molded they have him a into great his guy? Part- I mean, or, I yeah, think so, right? I mean, they've got a great partnership. Did yeah. McQuarrie do... What's the one... Is the one I haven't seen since Cruz's kind of big return to action. The, uh, is American Made? Is that what it's called? I don't think he did that one. I think he's a producer. Gun, drug that. runner? Okay. No, I couldn't remember for sure if he directed or producer. I don't think he producer. directed that, no. That makes sense. But, yeah, I mean, they've just bonded, right? since yeah valkyrie was it that they used to work together? together i think that might have been the first one um because yeah. you know he gets his big his bones doing the screenplay for usual suspects and yeah. then does way the gun which isn't really yeah. oh that's right he did he did some screenplay work on edge of tomorrow okay too. So, that's man, they, they really, really have got... been working together i mean tom cruise really hasn't missed yeah. since he's I guess the comeback, I guess, of like what Tropic Thunder is kind of the marked period of the comeback because mm-hmm. he does Edge of Tomorrow. Oblivion has a lot of fans. 
Yeah, Macquarie writes and produces on Valkyrie too. Yeah. Okay, but oh my god, that's right. He directed Jack Reacher. That's yeah, the first that's thing they work okay. on. And then he comes on for and <laughs> Jack then, Reacher, our beloved Jack Reacher. And then he comes on. Did you have you watched the the Reacher Prime series no. at all? Okay, no, I, no. Haven't either. I haven't either. I just know that they that's pe- TV. The man. book fans were glad that he's big. You know, mm, the guy yeah, the cast because, is large. Yeah, because Reacher's supposed to be large. Yeah, and Cruz. I remember that being a critique from the small. the fans. Cruz small. Cru- yeah, he's, Cruz, he's a small tiny boy. guy. He's part of tiny charm. boy. He's small boy. Uh, it allows him to jump off of higher things and make it look better. That's exactly right? it. Because I mean, an eight foot building next to Tom Cruise looks like a twenty foot building, right? <laughs> At least. <laughs> hey, uh, so <laughs> hello. Reacher was a TV show. We're here to talk TV shows. Right. Can you get this train back on the rails before hello, Ethan Hunt jumps off? Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Good Trash Honorcast. We gather around a table. We discuss the films you'll never discuss. The films, of course, except for when we're doing the season of lists. The season of the list. The season of the list. And uh, so we're taking off a little time from watching movies, uh, giving ourselves a little bit of a break for the summertime. And uh, in so doing, we've done a bunch of lists and we're doing our last list today, which is our favorite television shows. I am still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. I am still Dalton. And we have gotten some suggestions for we the have. next summer of lists. Yes. Let's, uh, yeah. Let's, uh, let's, thank you, Keithan. I think is the only one who's provided us with feedback on this so yeah, far. As far as, yeah, we, I don't know if we, I haven't checked the email. I don't know if you have Arthur. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and again, this we just now, as we're recording this, we only have one episode of the Summer out. of Lists yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, but Keithan pitched uh, that we could do like a genres thing, which I thought was like just our, our top five. He's like, you know, you probably couldn't do a 10 with that. But you, yeah. have, you have to do a five and then talk about movies in the genres. Like, that's fun. We could create really insular genres. Yeah, exactly. You know, like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Professionals in, in uh, rooms doing jargon to get things done. What was the word for the lurkers? Walk and talks. We, we talked mm-hmm. about this at one point. Doing oh, the people in the house. What is it? A, uh, it's got like a, a fro- pH. Frogging. Fro- frogging. Yeah. Yeah. frogging yeah. movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like like real, real specific. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I like that genre. Where there's only like six movies in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But I like that genre So how do we rearrange those six? Yeah. Yeah. We get real. I mean, in horror, oh, so, of course, yeah. well, and then lends we, itself to super granular stuff anyway. Well, yeah. Keith and of course suggested we could do our top ten favorite horror movies next year, which I think, you know, a couple of maybe once every summer of lists we do like one like our favorite action our favorite sci-fi yeah yeah. spread them out yeah yeah we definitely don't want to do all genre lists one year i think that would be kind of kind of boring but yeah it might be fun to do a genre list yeah no i think the summer of lists should be a a regular tradition i think we should pull it in the rotation yeah yeah it's it's fun to get you know well i mean we all have stuff to do during the summer especially now that the world's slightly more open a lot of traveling to be done to see people places to see yes experiences to be had we can't spend all of our time making content no we would simply die no no uh so what we were talking about the difficulty of making this list and how it is so much easier for me it was probably the easiest list i've ruminated on it the least um it was one of those things kind of like directors i was telling dustin off air is uh, i just didn't know if there were you know gun to my head 10 shows that i'm like these are my favorite you know People always ask me about my favorite TV shows, and like I've only got like two or three default answers. Mm-hmm. So like finding a few more, I'm like, I guess this is it, right? I realized I had more answers than I thought. Um, I definitely went to TV the book uh, by Matt Zoller Seitz, mm. and I forget who his co-author is on that. So I feel I do feel bad. I can't give you both authors, but they did in like 2016 or 17 tried to make a TV canonization book, at least mm. of American television. Mm. I think it there might be some foreign television in there. It's mostly American, but I, I kind of use that as a, to help me get started. I'm like, okay, what are what did they put on their list? 
list and I, I looked over, I was like, okay, well, that, these are some of these are definitely going to be on my I'm list. I'm telling you right now, the TV American canon, I'm sure hardly any of it is on my list. I, I, I love Lucy's fine, but you know, it's not comfort food for me. Brady they Bunch. have some, they have a lot of newer stuff on their list too. Dude, I mean, I mean, some Sopranos, of Sopranos, Sopranos, Wire, Mash, yeah. Simpsons, I'm yeah. sure. All of those are on there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's like a top 100. You can kind of throw it out. Breaking Bad. Yeah. Right. I mean, you sure. can kind of identify them pretty yeah. easily. Well, I, think. I mean, the prestige TV era really speaks to me more than anything there. Well, so. and, I mean, my list is pretty basic. My list is definitely favors the prestige TV, yeah. like golden era of like the aughts to 2010s mm-hmm. for sure. Well, I was telling him, I don't remember if you were in here, but like uh, for me, TV is just such a time for me to kind of decompress mm-hmm. that I don't really have a lot of time or energy to watch a lot of prestige stuff. Unless I can catch it at the moment, but I fell on that I mean, rabbit hole. There's hard. not a, there may be one that you could argue as prestige on my list. Mm-hmm. I think, but mine's pretty. Uh, mine's I mean, almost all comedy too. Oh yeah, uh, quite a few comedies on my list. Um, not that much. It's not TV. It's HBO, but definitely a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have some HBO on my list. Zero comedies. Yeah, I expect we're not going to have any crossover. Yeah. At uh, all. Well, we, we might. I don't no, know. No, I mean, me and you. I okay. don't think you and I will cross Justin over. Justin and I will probably cross over in at least two. I think, I think so. At least yeah. There's two that I'm pretty sure we'll yeah. cross over on, and you and I might, might have two on to three. one to three. Yeah. 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 It depends on how many. There's a bigger chance, I think, for me and you to cross over. Yeah. yeah. T- I'm curious. T- really kind of a blank spot for me. I mean, at one point, I just decided, TV or movies, and I went movies. Yeah. And that's just that's Kind just of what happened, yeah. The time commitment required. Yeah. So. I mean, that's, it is easier to complete. I mean, that's maybe something we should talk about. I, I chose only concluded to, well, with the exception of one very long running show. Um, Days of Our Lives. Of course. Yeah, that's uh, why I said. Other than that, uh, I selected only shows that had completed their run, and I did no miniseries. Uh, two series. of mine are still on. I have one technical. Well, I, I guess, I don't know. I mean, you'll, you'll, you tell me whether you think they're miniseries or not. I guess one of mine has okay. technically had a reboot, so I don't know if it's actually still on or not. Okay. Interesting. Well, I have one that probably has a reboot in the works or has, has a couple of reboot attempts have come and gone. Gotcha. So, okay. I was just kind of curious what we did as far as that list. I mean, anybody do a foreign TV show or is these fully American I did one lists? foreign of TV show. Of course you did. Only one. Are you kidding? Only one. I wonder if you did The Bridge. No, I know oh, it is. Is it, a, is it a UK show? It is not. It's Polish. 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 Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I wonder if I've heard of it. Uh, should we get started? Do we... I guess so. I guess so. So, yeah. Arthur, number 10. Is it back to me? Yeah. Around the spout? What are we doing at number 10? All right. So, number 10. Uh, this is one I've gone to several times. Uh, I think the big key here is a lot of these I've seen multiple times mm-hmm. on this list. And uh, for me, this is kind of a, a big comfort show. Uh, it's one I've watched several times just when I'm no, I'm going to laugh and I kind of want that and kind of comforted by these characters. It's one that hasn't aged super well, even though it's only a little over a decade old. Uh, that's how I met your mother. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a big one uh, for me. Is that the one Doogie Howser in it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the most problematic part of the show as well as Barney Stinson. Um, I'm trying to decide if I've sexualizer. seen an episode. I don't think I have. I had, yeah. a, I had a friend that was Bob Saget narrating. Yeah. Um, got Ted Mosby, the main guy, playing the Ross character. I mean, it is Friends. It, it, in almost every way, it is Friends, mm-hmm. uh, just newer, yeah. right? And kind of updated to be a little hipper, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but especially in those first five seasons, I, I, I think it just, I mean, Lord Miller heavily involved. Uh, just some really sharp writing, mm-hmm. really sharp comedy editing, setting up bits that don't pay off for several episodes. 
Uh, and that's really a big thing for me is writing that kind of has that sort of foresight and comedy that has that sort of foresight. And you'll see that again in this list. Uh, and then it's sort of like the non sequiturs that can kind of occur. It fills in the vein of a Simpsons or, a, you know, satirical cartoon mm-hmm. comic strip or, you know, things like that. Uh, there's something really sharp about all of that. Uh, again, some of the things have aged super well, mostly related to Barney, um, who just does anything and everything literally to try to sleep with women, um, which has problematic, you know, in the way that's kind of presented because he does become the lovable goof. And mm-hmm. so it's hard to know when you're supposed to laugh or when you're supposed to cringe at him in that presentation. Uh, a lot of people kind of, you know, hate the last season, uh, and, and where it resolves, I, I don't really hold that against it. I think that setup is there from the beginning. I think the bigger issue was this network demanding more seasons, mm. which really prolonged uh, the series uh, in a lot of harmful ways, I think. And so, you know, I, I think the ending, if it had landed where it was supposed to land, would have worked a lot more effectively. But to spend more time following other ideas just to meet a, a status quo and, and, you know, to hit these time slots that we need for the next four years uh drag some of that down so it's at the bottom of my list i I know it's got some issues a little worn around the edges but for me it's when i go back to a lot it's when i I laugh at a lot and i have a lot of fun with and jason siegel's great and let's see um what's her name willow is great i can't think of her name oh my goodness Um, willow works for me from buffy yeah yep uh, I keep want to say Michelle Trachtenberg, no, but that's that's Dawn not, from Buffy. Oh, oh my boy. god! Uh, anyway, uh, there, there. Uh, it's where Robin Shcherbatsky, who has played, I I don't know actors' names today. That's um, she's in the Avengers. Colby Smothers, yeah, Colby Smothers got yeah. her start uh, in a big a big way. So it's a fun cast, uh, some fun stories, and they get told. I think I remember just as I was getting it pulled up, Allison Hannigan. Allison Hannigan, great. She, Allison Hannigan. Yeah, she's, she's probably gonna show up again. Yeah, um, she'll show up but, again. Yeah, Time at Your Mother, Him Yim. I, I, I like it quite a bit, and so it's at the number 10 spot. Very good. Number 10 for you, Dalton. Uh, my number 10 is kept low by recency, uh, but it didn't. It did just recently conclude its run, and I was like, well, this is going on the list. Uh, it's Barry. Uh, it is kind of the show that feels like very much a response to the prestige era of television, a response to the, the Sopranos, Breaking Bad, Mad Men sort of run of anti-heroes, like guys that you're not supposed to like, and for whatever reason, TV audiences can't help themselves but fall in love with these charismatic evildoers. And Barry's very much a show about that and is, is a show about, you know, what we will tolerate from other people, what we will forgive from other people. Uh, it's a very interesting show in terms of its, it's kind of its exploration of like the violence that we do in fiction and, and what the real world ramifications of that would be. And I think one of the hallmarks and, and great things about Barry is the way it kind of threads that needle of like really Looney Tunes antics sometimes while still taking place in the real world at some level. Mm. Uh, there is, there is very much a trying to be about the now uh, that Barry has going for it. Um, that I think is interesting, especially see some season three arc, uh, about the, trying to have a TV show in the era of streaming. That's sort of a, a very, uh, kind of meta season, season three. And, uh, season four is just such a, a good conclusion to this, this very interesting show. And I always was surprised where it went and always was enjoying the speed and economy with which they were burning through plot really keeping things moving along, you know, resolving things in three episodes that other, a lesser show would have spent a season on, you know, 
just just really great stuff and again a proper four season finale you know they they talked about going five and as they were writing four they were like no 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 we we're good this is good yeah we're done and i I love a show that gets to do that you know not it is kind of a rarity you have to be successful to get a good run and if you're too successful as arthur just demonstrated with how i met your mother you you might be forced into more seasons and it's probably good for your storytelling and uh you know this the show just managed to kind of have like just the right <laughs> number of viewers to kind of go exactly as long as it needed to uh can't can't more highly recommend the show it's very funny very weird very dark uh and is kind of announces bill Hader uh, as a you know real filmmaking voice out mm-hmm. after his post snl career yeah. i can't wait to see what he does after i'm curious if he's going to move into film or stay in tv but uh you know obviously he's he's been a very you know I've, I've listened to interviews with him about the show he's a very generous collaborator like he really does make sure to give credit when it's not his credit to take he's always like oh yeah that was so and so's like always knows whose idea was what mm-hmm. in a lot of ways which i think is fun um if you get into this show um he uh did a uh, at least for the last two seasons um pater sat down every episode with uh sean Fennessy for uh, the ringers prestige tv podcast mm-hmm. and they would kind of talk about the episodes so it's a really fun way to enjoy the last two episodes of this show so uh, yeah, a lot of extended content out there if you really want to dig into barry but uh, yeah, a show that i think is worth getting into i haven't told you what it's about if you don't know if you've been living under a rock and haven't been keeping up with tv uh, for the last few years it is about a hitman who goes to LA and starts taking acting classes from Henry, huh. Henry Winkler. Uh, oh, from the Fonz. Yeah. Okay. Henry Winkler is incredible in this show, Dustin. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah. you got I it. was one of the people under a rock, so thank you for lifting I, the rock. I, I, I realized, I was like, I was like, I don't know how much but Dustin knows about Barry. I'm, yeah, we're going to have to show this for him. aware there's a show called Barry. I think I knew that that was the title of a TV show, yes. Yeah, that just ended. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Bill Hader plays a hitman, and the, the show has to deal with like this hitman who decides he's going to be an actor and, you know, has never thought about his feelings and now has to think about his feelings. And how's hmm. that, how's that going to go? A very interesting show. That Dustin, does sound like a good time. What's your number 10? Number 10 for me. Uh, speaking of dark and comedy, there is comedy. There are jokes. It is funny. It's more funny than it is scary. Um, this is uh, my nod to anthology television. Mm. I love some Twilight Zones and Outer Limitses, and I love the uh, Alfred Hitchcock presents and all that, but the show that really kind of connected with me and was a show that I try to catch as often as I could sneak past my parents in order to watch was HBO's Tales from the Crypt nice. of the 90s yep. and forward. Nice. Yeah. Love nice. me some Crypt Keeper based on the great EC comics, and what's great re-watching this. So as a kid, they were very scary, and they were they're always really like twisty kind of tales. They're always sort of mm-hmm. morality stories yeah. like, okay, you're going to find this way to get away and it's going to bite you on the keister. And somehow you've got a plan to do a terrible thing. And they actually have a more terrible plan mm-hmm. and that kind yeah. of stuff always at work there. But what's more fun rewatching the show is seeing a lot of the screenwriters, actors, and especially directors. Robert Zemeckis is a producer on the show mm-hmm. and directs a bunch of episodes. Mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger comes in and will make a little quick uh, little cameo appearance with the Crypt Keeper and then he'll direct the episode. Dane DeVito will come in and direct an episode. Uh, just a lot of the names you're like, oh, you get behind the camera and do a thing. And that's, that, that's a, it's a really, really good time. Is it on HBO? It is nowhere to be found, but wow. there is an entire playlist in high def on YouTube of course. where you can watch them all it. because they're in sort of weird rights hell. Yeah, and it's, so it's annoying. 
Yeah, but but because you can watch them on H or on, yeah. on YouTube, they're just right there for you to watch, and so it's still very very available in that sense. But uh, again, I guess technically legal because they don't have. I mean, Google does a good job of uh, watching those DCMA infringement things, and so for whatever reason, the rights being so up in the air right yeah. now that it's available. Nice. On, on the YouTube, which you is go. good times. But I, I, man, the Crypt Keeper is just hilarious to me. I All love those dumb great. puns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dad, it's so fun. Horror dad jokes. Mm-hmm. Is, yeah. It's full of that. Yeah. And yes, give me more of that, please. Yeah, it was a big, yeah. I loved it as a kid. A fun personality for sure. Yeah. So uh, Tales from the Crypt comes in at number 10 for me. Moving on to number nine. Number nine, Arthur, what comes in for you? I, I think the big thing about this list is a lot of how much these shows informed, I think, me. And so there's a lot of more deep-rooted stuff here. Uh, my number nine, though, only ran for two seasons. Actually, only 23 episodes at a very short run. Um, but a huge, I think, part of how my personality shaped, how my personality formed, kind of birthed out of The Simpsons. Uh, some of that team went over to start this show uh, called The Critic. Yep. Um, mm, I figured it out. Starring right John Lovitz yeah. as The Critic. Jay Sherman, uh, the titular Roger Ebert uh, film critic for a station out in New York. Um, but it feels like such a show uh, with great gags, uh, great movie gags. You know, mm-hmm. there's like he, he's reviewing Home Alone 5 and Kevin McAllister's like 35 and putting the doing the shaving cream bit uh, <laughs> on his face. You know, it's great. Or the aftershave bit um, and stuff like that or speed reading. Um <laughs> which is a movie that ends uh, within minutes because Keanu Reeves can't read more than 60 words per minute uh, <laughs> and the library blows up. It's you know, great, just absurdist bits like that, but also needs jokes about Ted Turner uh, and his fascination with colorizing classic films. Oh, right. yeah, like, yeah. I mean, there's bits about, so it feels like it's really ahead of its time in a way that I think in the internet world, you know, 10, 15 years later, it would have thrived mm-hmm. in a way like a Bojack does or arrested, you know, kind of in its cult following did um, made for Netflix or, you know, Hulu or Max or whatever. Um, but in those 23 episodes, just some great comedy, some great stories, uh, odes to all sorts of film. And I think it's a like a film lover's comedy because yeah. of all of those bits and all of those nods that it does. The first episode is all uh, a misery love letter. Uh, Jay is uh, meets an obsessive fan who's a projectionist at a theater, and she does the. We watched yeah, the office, and she does the me, misery yeah. thing uh, to him. Great, great, uh, and it's a hoot. And so, yeah, uh, and his son goes to like this United Nations school, and there are Easter Island kids there, which are statue headed kids, sure, uh, of course. <laughs> which is uh, just so absurd to Good me. Gag. Uh, yeah, and so it's filled with that kind of stuff. Uh, random Orson Welles references and jokes as yeah. well, and fish sticks and things like that. So, that bit. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's a huge, uh, and love is a treasure me. anyway. Yeah, he's, yeah. Great. he's very his, funny. His voice is great for it. And, uh, so yeah, it's, it's a big one for me. And that's the critic. Very good. Very good. What comes in at number nine for you, Dalton? Number nine, I have sort of a, a love letter to sketch comedy. Uh, one of my first loves, truly, uh, whether it was all that or the Amanda show or very early on for me and then getting into SNL and Chappelle. Uh, but at number nine, we have Key and Peele, mm. uh, a show that I love to return to. Speaking of rewatchability, it's a show that I like to pull up sketches on YouTube from time to time. Just love to revisit. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I don't feel like I'm going to go through sketches. That's boring. I don't want to just yeah. name sketches. Every time I've show. seen a sketch, I've liked it. Yeah. I've never actually sat Very down clever. for the show yeah. ever. Incredible hit rate on that show. Yeah. I mean, even the bad sketches like are still pretty good. It's it's really crazy. It just like how sharp them and their writing team was. 
Uh, and it was just kind of interesting to watch the framing device of the show evolve. You know, the early seasons, they're kind of on a stage, kind mm-hmm. of very much using the Chappelle show format. And then later seasons, it's like the framing device is them telling each other stories on like a road trip or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of just played with the format throughout the run. And again, kind of really cementing the careers of, of two really talented guys uh, who have, have gone on. Obviously, Jordan Peele have the much more wave making career with, with the Oscar win, but you know, Key Michael Key's still out here working, doing all kinds of prestige mm-hmm. streaming mm-hmm. shows. Yeah. And whose line is it anyway? Sometime, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's Just, actually pretty funny on that. Yeah, he's very. I mean, they're very talented <laughs> sketch comedians and improv improvers and uh, improvisers is probably a cleaner way to say that. Uh, but yeah, I, I just am always delighted when i go and revisit the show i'm always happy um you know and and the comedy has aged fairly well you know it's only been off the air for a few years now but like most of it is aged well and it's always like really insightful uh they also do like a lot of, some character work that might be questionable but I, I think they they both they both use uh their by virtue of being biracial, they're sort of flexible casting. Uh, ah. They make some interesting choices with their their casting and sketches sometimes. That <laughs> okay, I, you know, I don't know that I will always go to bat for, but uh, I will usually go to bat for. I think they're usually doing something insightful uh, in, in their sketches, and that's one of the things I, I really appreciate. It's always okay to make fun of white people. Well, yeah, and that's yeah. that's obviously that's just part of it. But no, I mean sometimes they'll play Latino or or, uh, East, or South Asian. So you know, there there's a couple that I'm like, uh, I'm trying to think of early sketches. And I'm like. Uh, I don't want those hold that, but most of them are just great. I think if we'll talk about one sketch, kind of one of the most famous ones is Keegan uh, the, as the inner, the uh, retired inner city teacher who's a substitute at a suburban high school. I've seen this That's, one. This is a classic one uh, the, with the Terry's, the, the two guys on the airplane talking about what they're going to do. The terrorists on the airplane. If somebody tries <laughs> to do a nine elevenths, the nine elevenths was to happen. Uh, yeah, uh, those are two of my favorites. So, well, yeah, there we go. We'll shout out to um the great show uh cannot more here's i'll leave you with this uh, i heard an interview with key i think it was with keegan uh one time uh, and they were talking about it was on a you made it weird the Pete holmes podcast and they were talking about like sketch writing philosophy and um they ended on this idea of like well how do you end a sketch and what keegan and if you watch the show you will find this to be true uh, they kind of go, well, it's like a Twilight Zone episode. You have to, which I think is funny for where Jordan's career goes, uh, you just have to like take it to its most logical conclusion. Just like keep letting the idea expand, filling up with much, you know, air in the balloon as possible until you reach the inevitable conclusion. And uh, I, I think that's the, the most, the wackiest, mo- if you just follow the rules to the, the furthest logical extent, like you'll get to a funny conclusion. And I, I do think that's that, true. that sketch philosophy holds true in the writing of this show for sure. So that's my, my love letter to sketch comedy at number nine is Key and Peele. What do you have at number nine, Dustin? Uh, what I have at number nine is what I would consider another anthology show. Okay. However, it's an anth- it's got an arc. It's got seven seasons. It does run a conclusion. There is a thread. There are spinoff movies. But the strength of this is what a lot of uh, a lot of series, especially science fiction or slash horror kind of television, will do. Is there is a lot of monsters of the week, and then there are episodes or even little bits within the episode that sort of build within the arc. But they're sort of dealing with the monster of the week, and that's. 1990s TV series from Fox Network, The X Files. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, mm-hmm. The monsters of the week are better than the arc episode. Ran for longer than seven yeah. seasons. Uh, I mean, nine? Uh, I think I eleven think. after reboot. 
Oh, I forget uh, about that. I forget about the reboot. Yeah, yeah. The two, two or th- I think two, two seasons three, of reboot, yeah. but maybe super formative for me as, sure. as a just a young man watching this stuff. And again, the 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 real strength are the monsters of the week yeah, episodes right. are are better, and the arcs are good. I'm not saying the arcs are bad, but sometimes they're a little. They're just never as interesting. Yeah, uh, exactly. I was just not interested into the. Aliens. I wanted monsters. Yeah. I wanted I, Jersey Devils, and I wanted mm-hmm. Chupacabras, and I wanted Skinwalkers or whatever. Right. And uh, the crazy, scary locust cicadas that come out yeah. of the trees in that one. Of, yeah. Good Have night. you seen both the movies? I have seen both the movies. Nice. I saw them both in the theater, I think. That makes sense. And I don't think I've seen them since. But uh, nonetheless, uh, they're, 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 it's all good stuff for me. It, it really works because I like the chemistry between David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson. Mm-hmm. I love the sort of intrigue that is sort of part of the base of it, the sort of general suspicion of all authoritarian forces, which I think is a good attitude to have in life. And yeah, yeah. Well, and again, they're number one, good attitude to have just distrust. Number two, their chemistry is, you know, and like a sexless show that is just like hinged on the immaculate chemistry of these two very hot people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. That's yeah. just good TV. It is very, very good TV. And so I love the X-Files a lot. And I, when I go back through, I tend, I tend to skip the Arky episodes and go to the next monster. Give me, give me more of the guy that can squeeze through the little uh, ductwork uh, tombs, yeah. right? Uh, love that kind of stuff. Who the same actor who plays Percy in the uh, Green Mile? I don't know the actor's yeah. name. Uh, an early uh, Brian Cranston appearance. Oh, is there? I yeah. don't remember. Yeah. But I'm, the guy yeah. that's gonna blow up or something. Yeah, I've, this is a show that I've like only experienced through other people. But mm. I like every time I see an episode of the X, I'm like, damn, I gotta watch this show. <laughs> it's a good. I time. remember buying the season. I was in college and I bought probably the first five seasons and watched through it. And nice. I don't know that I went on beyond that, but I was always hooked into the monster of the week stuff. I always liked that air of maybe, maybe not like there mm-hmm. was that sometimes. Um, but yeah, did you watch it with, uh, did you watch X-Files with no lights on? Uh, I watched it with the lights off because I am a chaos monster. Did you hope the Smoky man was in this one? <laughs> So anyway, that's number nine for me, The X-Files. Moving on to number eight. Number eight, Arthur, what comes in for you? Uh, this is my anthology series. Uh, uh, and again, it's not one I've actually ever seen all the way, you know, watched every episode of, especially with a reboot on uh, the Paramount, CBS, whatever you call it. Uh, but for me, The Twilight Zone was nice. just a big part yeah. of growing up. I mean, those marathons, they would always air on cable. Uh, you know, especially around Fourth of July, they would do that. And a lot of the holidays, they would do that. Uh but this idea of just being hit, I mean, I love spooky stories anyway as a kid. I liked uh, short stories and folklore and things like that. Um, so that was always a, a big kind of itch for me. And to watch this show that had these, you know, quick 20, 30 minute hits with weird stories and twist endings uh, that were always so clever and later getting into more of Richard Matheson's work as well, who worked a lot on Twilight Zone. Um, it just kind of opened up, I think, a door to really pursue my interests in the bizarre and the weird storytelling, not necessarily mm-hmm. sci-fi stuff, but even, you know, just the kind of spoopier stuff that they would mm-hmm. do. Right. Uh, and so, you know, it was one of those things kind of bonding with my mom over as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, any kind of, and, and there are a number of, you, you mentioned Albert Hitchcock presents, which I love as well. Mm-hmm. There are a number of these sorts of anthologies that I could just swap in here. You know, I always put in, are you afraid of the dark, but there's something about that kind of, short form storytelling to get these stories in quick, have some fun, do something spoopy and have a fun twist ending. Uh, I think it takes a lot of skill and talent to do that consistently. And I think the Twilight Zones uh, did it as consistent as anybody for the, the, the 
few years it was on, right? So mm-hmm. it was on. I mean, talk about how influential, you know, it, it and Star Trek, like, have had yeah. this crazy outsized cultural footprint considering yeah. how long they were actually on the air. Right. It's, it's wild. You should check out those Paramount seasons. They're, I need they're to. okay. Yeah. I, I just kind of forget they're, about it. And they're thing. an hour long, and it kind of yeah. does hurt. It, I think, the, I mean, you know, even in its original run, when they try to go an hour, I mean, that's the second reboot, right? I mean, there was a reboot on the I CW. Think Arthur, or, I think it might even be the third reboot. Yeah. Yeah. I remember watching some of the episodes... I guess it was in the mid two thousands that yeah. were on UPN or CW or whatever yeah. station. Well, had an Outer Limits reboot in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Outer Limits had That's a reboot one. that was on yeah. like at the Tales same from the time. Dark Side. Yeah, 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 yeah. So any of those shows, but I mean, Twilight Zone for me is kind of the, at the king of them. Yeah, yeah, so that's why it's on the list. Very good, very good. What comes in at number eight for you, Dalton? I thought this might be your number nine. Oh. I, when you were talking about 90s shows that were influential and featured monsters of the week, I thought you might have meant our good friend Sarah Michelle Geller. You mean the show he hates? I don't hate. He doesn't hate this I show. I don't hate Buffy. You hated it when he we watched it. He hated it when we watched it for the show, though. He yeah. came around on it. Yeah, yeah. I've come around. I it's, don't believe him. Yeah, I've come around a little bit <laughs> on it, but it does not make the list for me. It does not make the list for you. It makes yeah. the list for me. It was it, supremely influential for me. If mm-hmm. I were 15. Yeah. I think is when I needed to, how old I needed to be to get in. Yeah. Well, and I got in like in syndication. I was like 11 through 13 getting mm. into, I mean, the final season. Uh, seven episode, seven season run. I think the final season is the only season I actually watched in broadcast because I had gotten caught up in syndication. I think I was like oh. dead at twelve or thirteen when the show ended. Oh, I think right I ended on, like yeah. 03. So yeah, I was, I was, yeah, it was right in my wheelhouse. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Romance and monsters and teen struggles and you know and uh, always when you're a teen, the things you're watching are about people who are five years older than you, played by people who are twelve years older mm-hmm. than you. Uh, isn't that just how it goes? But yeah, th- this show is just huge for me. Uh, I really love it. I responded to every single character and like had some aspect of them like really clicked with me. Do oh. you find the monsters of the week better than the arc, or do you like the no, arc more? No, I think the arc is really solid. It's not great in every season, you know. And but some of the monster of the week episodes aren't great. I mean, some of the the strongest episodes though are some of those like uh, Hush, Hush. I mean, mm. an incredible episode of television, The Body which is not really a monster of the week. It is just an event of the week episode. Yeah. There's like a monster in that. It's the episode with the least supernatural stuff, but mm-hmm. it is like an incredible episode of television, yeah. truly. Uh, one of the best things about grief and death that I think mm-hmm. has ever been made. Um, and, and again, that episode is so strong because it is built on the bones of like really good character work that runs throughout the course of these seven seasons of mm-hmm. two networks and you know, and comic books and a spinoff like, you know, talking about, you know, kind of media influential and I, a reboot that is threatening to come to fruition any day now. Uh, it's, you know, without, with the writer strike, who knows, but that was, you know, threatening to come to air imminently but with a new, you know, totally new creative team. And, you know, I think that, that which is a good idea. Yeah. A good, idea, very good idea. Well, and the <laughs> least said about the creator of the show and the more said about the careers that it launched, the better. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. truly some, like, if you look at the writing credits on this show, it's just like constantly, Oh, Oh yeah. They drew Goddard. Oh yeah. And Oh my God, I can't think of her name, but she went on to do that unreal show. Uh, about working on like a reality dating show, uh, it, it, the the writing credits on this show is really just kind of a it makes you makes your jaw drop when you go on to look at what the the careers that those people have gone on to, um, and again you know for some of the cast a, a really great launch pad and for others, you know the most notable thing that they ever did they stalled out yeah yeah and you know that's okay you know sometimes you were just born to play a certain character and and that, that's the way it's it's gonna go. 
but yeah, I, I truly great stuff. And I, I think the, uh, yeah, the serialized stuff works for me, especially think, uh, Season five is really strong as the serialized storytelling on that one with uh, the the glory, the hell demon. I think that all that stuff or the hell God, I think all that stuff is really good. I like the last season quite a bit. I, th- I think the last season's, you know, a lot of people kind of poo poo some aspects of it, but I think it's, it's fairly strong uh, Two, I think season two is kind of like a high watershed moment for a lot of folks that that stuff with Angel, like that whole arc about using uh, the you know, having sex with somebody for the first time and it changing the relationship for the worse, like that, that metaphor writ out in, you know, TV genre storytelling form is kind of a classic moment for the show. And mm-hmm. I think is a reason that that's kind of stands out as, as one of the show's high watershed moments. Uh, yeah. Great television ran for a hundred plus episodes and it's, you know, easily available on streaming. You should go catch up with this one. If you haven't, it's, it's kind of like foundational nineties television. Very good, very good. Uh, number eight for me is uh, what ordinarily does not work in terms of television programming, it's which good. is at adapting literary sources. You oh. adapt literature into TV. Wishbone? <laughs> it is not Wishbone, nor is it Goosebumps from R.L. Stein. That's uh, not Game of Thrones, is it? It's not Game of Thrones. Thank God. Uh, it is Sherlock from the BBC. Nice. Sure. Uh, Stephen Moffat okay. and Mark Gaddis yeah. do this great irreverent take, uh, which uses a source material, is super knowledgeable of the source material, and then just stews it all up, does the cut-up method, all mm-hmm. of William S. Burroughs, <laughs> not really, but and puts it together with Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman in doing this incredible just run of 90 minute movies again is this a tv series or not is yeah it's it, a show it, okay yeah. limited i don't know because it's got cliffhangers it's got seasons yeah continuity series. between series it's as much of a tv show as anything britain's done yeah uh, just... <laughs> they're weird series and six episodes they runs, want you to so. have closure and they don't want you to be i respect connections it. i respect yeah. a six episode story that lands well yeah 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 uh, well it's three episodes well, it's three, yeah god they're, well, they're each 90 minutes long yeah they're 90 minutes yeah. yeah so i mean however that you know shakes out but I, I like the model i like them as sort of mini movies i like that way you've got 90 minutes to really sort of dive into a particular mystery and i really just enjoy uh even just formally the way in which they're able to use the screen to show us what's going on with text messages and internet searches and that kind of stuff is just and really good storytelling. I feel like that was probably the first instance I can recall of that becoming a thing, right? So many movies yeah. have done it since then, but yeah, the uh, kind of diegetic, non-diegetic using of the the text message to mm-hmm. you know relay those conversations in a stylized manner is cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, and seeing it done, it's become kind of a standard across a lot of movies now yeah. and shows. So it, it's a very, very, very good time. I even like the sort of weird experimental ones where they sort of go back and uh, I think Sherlock is either overdosing or jonesing from needing drugs and uh, imagines a 19th century Sherlock Holmes uh, adventure with him and Watson. So they go back into that, you know, that 19th century and, and Stephen Moffat is sort of weirdly a Winston Churchill like figure mm-hmm. in that. It's just a good time uh, for that. So I do like the sort of spy intrigue that also the TV show plays with. And so it, it's really well done. And I know a lot of, you know, Holmesians really kind of hate it because it is not loyal in any way. 
but it, it's, it's it's disloyal in the best adaptation kind of style way. And so I love it. It's a really, really good time. Uh, I don't know where it's currently streaming. Crackle, maybe. Um, it's for free with ads on like Tubi or something like that. And yeah. I think it's only the first season. Yeah, it's oh, kind of hard to find bad? right now. Yeah. If you don't have like, I think the BBC Brent streaming Box. service or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, it'll sli- it'll it'll circle back around at some point in the future, though. But I just love Sherlock. So that's number eight for uh, me. What's the number eight for you, Arthur? Uh, no, no, we did eight. We did do now. Now we're doing number seven. What's number that seven? That is how math goes. Yes. Yeah, seven. That's how countdowns happen. Uh, so this is probably the closest thing to prestige TV that's on my list. It's still a comedy though. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's towards the bottom of the list cause I've only gotten to watch it once. Um, I've, I've restarted it, but, uh, another one that's only had a couple of seasons, uh, and we've talked when we did, uh, dropped a gorgeous that I do enjoy cringe comedy. Um, and this one is definitely cringe. It, it has a protagonist that is very hard to watch and very hard to, uh, I don't know, um, because she she has challenges and she has things that she goes through and she, she's not a great person, um, but she works through her demons and she doesn't even have a name, really. Yeah, I mean, her baby. identity's not there. Um, she's kind of a flea bag. Uh, it's Phoebe <laughs> Waller Bridge's flea bag. It's such uh, incredible TV. Yeah, man. it's an adaptation of the one woman show um, that had became a two season run on Amazon Prime. Um, is just so clever um, and just such great writing. Uh, this use of, of breaking the fourth wall to let us all in on the joke and to let us all in to Fleabag's mind. And what if watch Deadpool going were through. less annoying? Yeah, <laughs> and good, right? Yeah. 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 Um, that's, that's, yeah, that's where it's at. It's, it's using that meta kind of work to, I mean, which, I mean, a long tradition of that in mm-hmm. theater, right? Mm-hmm. Breaking the fourth wall and speaking directly to the audience isn't, uncommon on stage uh, and it translates well i think here and, and the fun little asides that we get of you know when she's in an interaction and she's providing her real thoughts about what's taking place even though she's lying to the other person mm-hmm. and uh the sort of tragic drastic elements that play out in the first season to the introduction of hot priest in the second season well and then the continued kind of evolution of the fourth wall breaks with his introduction right yeah yeah, uh, it's it's so fun. And so uh, it's just I mean, what? There's 12, 14 episodes, 16 episodes total. I think uh, I think it's like 14. I think it's yeah, like it's, seven episodes yeah, each. It's a very season. short season. Yeah. Each, each one and just tells such a tight story yeah. with great interactions, great characters as, as these people try to deal with Fleabag and she tries to. Uh, live her life and reconcile the, the things that she has gone through and the things she goes through and the things she puts people through. Uh, we get some great uh, work from Olivia Coleman, uh, who shows up there. Sort of helped. the villain of the series, if there is yeah, one. Yeah. And then, yeah. uh, obviously, the hot priest played by... Oh, my God. The guy that Dustin likes from Shirley. He's the Moriarty. Yeah, Moriarty. Oh, I, I don't know I his can't name. think of his name. Yeah, anyway. Weird. Not I do great today on actors. Our Sorry, names TV are not people. working. Uh, we put all our energy in the movies. And, and <laughs> Andrew? Andrew... It's Andrew something. Yeah. yeah, it's a very, like, English name. Anyway, you know? anyway, Hot Priest, uh, second season. Um, but it's great. It's it's so good. It's so quick to watch. Um, and got Phoebe Wallabridge all of the hardware come award season. Uh, much deserved. Um, anyway, yeah. Yeah, very I good, mean, very good. Giving her a huge career bump. Andrew right. Scott, by the way. Andrew Scott, there it is. That's um, not very British. It should be like Andrew Crumpet. Yeah. Be like... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Andrew Tea Time. It's, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Andrew Toast and Beans. <laughs> Andrew Blood Sausage. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that is my number seven. It is Fleabag. <laughs> What's number seven for you, Dalton? Well, speaking of fucked up names, we got a little weird guy at this list, uh, at this part in the list for me, anyway. Uh, Horatio Sands? No, even weirder. <laughs> Horatio uh, Hornblower? No. Uh, Horatio? Multi, multi-syllabic name. And weirdly, like, speaking of naming format convention, might actually have something to do with the naming of this show. SpongeBob SquarePants. (laughs) (laughs) Which will, uh, as of the end of this month, run its 290th episode at the end of July. Yeah. What a run. 19 seasons. 19 seasons. It's going. And three movies? Two Uh, movies? Two. Maybe three. I'll check. One featuring Um, Keanu Reeves. Yep. Uh, so this is, I've obviously fallen off with Spongebob. I have not stayed on for the whole run, but this was pretty foundational for me. Uh, really like formative for my sense of humor and and, and truly, I I think an entire generation, a plus entire two generations of of freaks and weirdos and shit posters have to uh, thank Spongebob (laughs) for their odd little senses of humor. Mm -hmm. Uh, cause this show definitely like injected like absurdism and surrealism into children's humor in a really serious way. And I think screwed up a lot of people's brains for the better mm-hmm. uh what a, what a wonderful show if you have not it is seen this somehow i mean you've obviously seen the memes and the merchandise if you have not seen an episode of the show somehow uh yeah this is a show that my uh, dad got into from just hanging out watching chris and i watch it and would just like start to come through the room and stay there and end up watching four episodes of spongebob with us how cool is len okay yeah, he, he likes spongebob man. all right that's very cool he, he fucks with spongebob what can i tell you um I'm going to get the... I'll have to wait till Dustin's turn to uh, pick up. You know, those Nickelodeon comedies, there was a real sort of uh, knee-jerk uh, backlash from a lot of parents because mm. they were just like, I don't get this. This is not what I liked. It's different. And so, we, no, no, Stimpy, you idiot. They just could not get on board with Ren and Stimpy or anything else on Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon. Yeah, Rocco's Modern Life yeah. was in that vein as well. Yeah. You know, even the Rugrats a little bit. Was like, ah, real monsters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of weird stuff happening to Nick. Yeah, and, and they just were not on board. And SpongeBob is one of those things that there, yeah. there was a, a certain parental generation like, I'm not going to let my kid watch yeah. that because I don't like it. Yeah, it's I don't too, get it's, it. It's, it's alien weird. and weird. Yeah. yeah, it's too strange. It is quite odd. And uh, I'm very thankful for my parents that they were able to get on board. It's weird yes. wavelength. Arthur, currently, there is the 2004 film SpongeBob SquarePants, the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, mm-hmm. the 2015 film, the SpongeBob movie, Sponge Out of Water. 2021, the SpongeBob movie Sponge on the Run, and we have two forthcoming films: Saving Bikini Bottom, the Sandy Cheeks movie in 2024, and scheduled for May 2025, the SpongeBob movie Search for Square Pants. Love it, <laughs> so fun. It's a dominant media franchise uh, that <laughs> yeah. I, I can yeah, maybe absolutely. get. A, a, I believe I saw the figure I saw was 13 billion in uh, merchandise revenue generated as Mercy. of the last couple of years. That's what I just saw on Wikipedia. They love that sponge. They fucking love a sponge, man. And I, I get it. He's cool. He's fun. I like his. I like his. I like the star friend. I like Patrick. I like his annoying neighbor, the squid. His his boss, the crab, who's also the Kurgan. Yeah. Uh, also plankton for a villain. Come it's on, just, it's good time. Uh, that and squirrel? of course, Sandy. Yeah, Sandy. Best episodes probably the band, the one where they play the Super Bowl. I mean, come on, like mm-hmm. that's a great one. The hashlinging slasher. That's a great one. Come on, so that's good. the driving school. I just saw the driving school episode on a mountain of TVs in Wichita. Pretty cool. Okay, it's exactly what it is. somebody made an art installation called TV Mountain, and they were like making the image 
it wasn't like multiple TVs showing the same episode. It was multiple TVs all showing Por- one, portions. Por- one portion of the episode. It's like a fra- like an 8-bit like square pants. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So it was so good, dude. So anyway, <laughs> SpongeBob SquarePants is my number seven. Very cool. Very cool. My number seven is also an animated television series. Nice. And also long running? Uh, um, No. Okay. Three seasons long. Okay, so and, not a Simpsons, not a Futurama. But it's also an adaptation. Okay. Uh, you guys are very aware of my love of the arts martial, and uh, it is Avatar The Last Airbender. Sure. I j- man, tell you what. It, you got any love for Korra, the spinoff? I have not watched Korra. I think it's politics might infuriate you. Oh, that's there, they, they, I am frequently infuriated anarchi- by politics. There's an anarchist played by Henry Rollins that they do kind of dirty. Oh, that is too bad. But he's the, easily the coolest character in the spinoff. Yeah, I do like Henry Rollins, too. Uh, I go punk all the time. You should check it out. Okay, I, I, I will. I mean, again, TV and time and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I did make the time for Avatar The Last Airbender. And what I love about it is that it is a silly as a kid's show for sure mm-hmm. and it has a real significant arc with real stakes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it also has just so much heart mm-hmm. it's so much about friendship and loyalty and yeah. uh, just growing up kind of stuff working what? out like uh, self you know aware ego stuff well right? what you're talking about is kind of the classic blend of tones that you get from sort of a classical you know t- tweens anime mm-hmm. Bru- but it's you know being done by a western studio and you know, trying to take that those influences seriously and like really kind of adapt the form to Western animation. It's it's a really kind of interesting, like and again another Nickelodeon product, mm-hmm. but yeah, really an interesting piece of like art, just kind of on how it sort of brought this. I didn't even realize it was an adaptation. You just it's, mentioned yeah, it's a manga. Really, it yeah, was it was, it was a manga first. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, and so uh, yeah, it, man, though, so that's why it's three books long, sure. book one, and so it it has an entire run, and they knew exactly where they were going and where it was going to end, you know, as it began. So three seasons was all it was ever going to do. I love the weird world in which there are these uh, flying bison with six legs. I I I, I love. The way in which the different kind, the sort of fantasy element of it is that you can bend these different elements and that each element's bending is uh, the movements are based on actual martial arts style. And so you've got Baguajan for airbending. You've got um, Hungar for earthbending. You've got Tai Chi for waterbending. And then finally, firebending is based on Northern Shaolin uh, martial arts, Kung Fu. And... You know, for a guy that likes Kung Fu a lot, this is a good time. And so, yeah, I dig I dig it so much. I love the voice acting. Donnie Brasco coming in, clutch as Zuko. Uh, the best sort of dialogue between toxic and healthy masculinity in the Fire Lord and uh, Uncle Iro, the sort of pitted against one another, is so great. I love Uncle Iro, uh, voiced by the great uh, Japanese voice actor Mako. Uh, great, great, great stuff. So, yeah, love Avatar The Last Airbender so much. Dustin, I am so sorry, but we do have to issue a correction. Oh, right is away. it not based on the manga came after? Yeah, all all things super come from, spring forth from the show. Okay, well, yeah. who'd have thunk it? Yeah. So they wrote it as a manga, yeah. basically, and then they made the manga afterward. Yeah. Are you going to check out this live action TV series that you're, I they're, am they're going cooking to watch up? It, yeah. Did you did you like watch it when it all finally hit Netflix, or did you like watch it with the boys as it was airing? I no, I, I watched it on Netflix with the boys when it finally dropped. There. Yeah, when it dropped on all the way on Netflix, or it was I think it might have Amazon before it was on Netflix. I uh, think you're right. You know, yeah. I think it was on Amazon when I when I caught it with gotcha. the first time with the boys. I've seen it a couple times since. Yeah, it was off streaming for a little bit before it hit Netflix again, yeah. which is where I caught it during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, man, it's so good. It's yeah, so it's good. great. So that's number seven for me. Rounding it out. Let's go to number six. What's number six for you, Arturo? 
Uh, my number six is one I caught up again with in college, actually. It's already been mentioned once on this show. Um, and it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, nice. It is, again, kind of taking that idea of, like you mentioned with X-Files, the anthology idea of doing a monster of the week and really highlighting all of these different weird creatures. And that's just something that really speaks to me. So any kind of series that that has that idea... Uh, it's something I latch onto, you know, the early seasons of Supernatural, uh, you know, that whole show had kind of maintained the the flavor of those first couple of seasons. I probably would have had it on this list, but um, Buffy, I think, does it so well. There's so many memorable moments. Obviously, I've got a dog uh, walking around this house somewhere who is the watcher of the house, and he is Giles. Um, and so, you know, great characters, great relationships that kind of form between these characters on totally. that show. Uh, I, I love them all dearly, uh, and just so many fun moments and fun episodes and clever episodes mm-hmm. um, that you I don't know think would work on a you know teen soap opera about uh, a vampire slayer, yeah. um, but do and, and you you mentioned Hush and then once more with Feeling obviously much mm-hmm. later on right works so well as as well and so. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoy it. I like vampires anyway. I like monsters and weird stuff and and creating one of the great, I think, coming-of-age series uh, about high school and the struggles of high school and the, the framing of the metaphor of the monster is so and, smart. And less well-lauded, but like all the young adult, like, college do i go to college do i not go to college mm-hmm. do what do i do like all of that stuff yeah. is like pretty good too do I get a job yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. balancing all of this and, yeah. yeah and that responsibility and you know obviously S, uh, smg is so good anyway so uh buffy as you mentioned giles's namesake i am remiss to fail to mention in sherlock um i have a dog we called about w- your watson no nope, okay too late Mo- okay. moment passed okay <laughs> i just want to say i have a dog called watson because i like it a lot all right uh dalton what comes in at number six for you at number six is another adaptation uh so we do have an adaptation here um this is a good one three seasons and gone but they keep threatening to bring it back because of all the fanables that's right baby it is Hannibal by oh, Brian man. Fuller. Yes, it's so good. Yeah, I, I, I was. Yes. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised to see it on your list. It did not make, make the it, list, yeah, but I, I love it, Hannibal. It's so good, and and is you know it works as an adaptation because they do kind of like an interesting remix of Thomas Harris's novels. Yeah. Well, it does the same thing Sherlock does. It's yeah. like we we know all the source material over well, and we're gonna remix it into something interesting. Yeah, yeah. we'll right. do something new yeah. to keep you on your toes if yeah. you already have seen all these movies or read all these books. Ziggs when you think it's gonna zag. Yeah, yeah. and you know. Maybe one of the most famous villains uh, on screen and in fiction of the last like 40 years. And uh, I, I think the Mads Mikkelsen portrayal is maybe one of the definitive performances. You know, I, I mean, I love Tony Hopkins, but Me I too. think I like Mads more. I think Mads' performance is just so interesting. And, and I mean, that's the thing about TV, right? He's gotten so much more time to do something mm-hmm. with that character. Yeah. And I even like uh, Hugh Dancy's Will Graham. Mm-hmm. You know, it, Hannibal came out during sort of the spate of... Uh, ASD diagnosis as superpower mm-hmm. uh, era, and I think it manages to. I think Will Graham in the original source material it has a, a, some sort of. Um, well, he's got extreme empathy anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like empathy some sort of empathy superpower, disorder. Right, yeah. We, exactly. And that's yeah. how they do it, which is sort of well, like... Well, that whole, I'm an empath You're like, no, I'm not, I'm not autistic. I actually have the, the slider turned all the way up the other way. Yeah, it's weird stuff, but I think is navigated well within the fiction of the show. Yeah. And does not come across as like kind of grossy or gag-inducing as some of these other things. And they do a pretty good job of like dropping 
the idea of him being able to like superpower the crime scene pretty quickly and like more move into how he can think through somebody's process and much more of kind of a profilery type take on the material. Yeah. Better uh, procedural work there. Yeah. yeah. Again, a show that could like easily not be good. And like, I think is an interesting selection for the list because it like represents trends in television that are not interesting and like kind of does something interesting with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's both like both IP storytelling within, you know, all media, of course, but TV is, as you know, not free of this, uh, just like, no, you know, just like movies. Uh, but then again, also, yeah, sort of this, I don't know, you get it with The Good Doctor, you get it with, I mean, there's so many shows. A show later on my list has a joke about this trend in television mm-hmm. storytelling. It is kind of troubling, honestly. Um, but uh, I, I think, again, this, this show does a good job of, of having that be an aspect of its storytelling, having, you know, mental health and personality disorders, like, be an aspect of the storytelling and... Even when it is a villain of the week, you know, the, the, there's a lot of they serial, have a, they have serial of killer of the week type storytelling sometimes. I think even those characters are like well drawn and, and given empathy. Uh, and again, I, I show that like I like the gooeys. I like the gories. I like I like the serial killer stories, you know. I love Hannibal's meals. Yeah. Oh my Gosh. god, the food porn on this show. It's yeah, so the good. food styling is incredible. And then it's got this weird secondary register because you know it's people. Yeah. And so yeah. it's ah. Well, and then Fuller like actively encouraging directors to go like as pretentious as they want, like saying no, no, that is the vibe of the show is just like decadence and in, in the the visual storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I love that about it. And again, like it it scratches that like true crime itch without like actually having to put me in that place i get to right. stay firmly in the realm of fiction with you know serial killers that turn people into angels and you know <laughs> move their back flaps up and stuff totems yeah and totems yeah, yeah. werewolf yeah. monsters yeah, yeah. The, the skin tone art installation guy you know yeah. yeah that guy oh my god well and then we we do finally end on season three which is just an adaptation of red dragon uh and and features like a really great performance from richard armitage as Fr- francis Dollarhide. like i re- i really love the third season of this show i think it is maybe it's it's you know it ends on its strongest season mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe it'll come back someday. Maybe it won't. I would for, love for it to. For three seasons, it was on NBC for some reason. <laughs> oh, man. Their inability to know how to program their channel, like, does lead to some true gems sometimes. Well, you just watch it the whole time and go, this was on TV. This was on broadcast <laughs> television. They got they got Lawrence Fishburne talking about people getting peeled open and turned into fungus uh, <laughs> farms. Yeah. Farm, yeah, and, and <laughs> beehives, I think, was one. Those right, lady yeah, turned yeah. people into beehives, too. Anyway, crazy. <laughs> Show. so wild yeah really great storytelling uh you know really fun series but you know, again another show that kind of mixes the procedural and the serialized and the the um the long arcing nature of, of a show like right on plays yeah. with all those elements in an interesting way what's up, what's up next on the list for you dustin number six for me is the, one of the greats it's breaking bad yeah uh, sure. uh, gosh it's, it's got to make the list it is it's that good i mean everyone talks about it it is a boring pick i suppose but brian cranston and um Aaron Paul Aaron Paul it's like Jesse <laughs> Aaron Paul turning these incredible performances um, I love the way in which uh, you know they got the Tuco Salamanca character in the first season and he can't come back and so they say you know what we'll write the opposite of Tuco and create the character of Gus Fring which is the, one of the most terrifying evil villains of all time because he is so in control at 
all times. It is desperately scary. Um, Vince Gilligan has written an incredible series. I love the locality of it. I love the sort of Albuquerque, New Mexico of it all, Mm -hmm. uh, and the way in which it's able to sort of play with that. It becomes, in some weird ways, not just a sort of crime, sort of modern neo-noir, but it also becomes a Western at points, and it's... It's just some incredible arc television. What if you watched, again, the slow damnation of a single character, a good yeah. guy becoming a very, very bad guy? Or how good was he to begin with? Yeah, it's sort it's, of an interesting question, question when you on rewatch. Yeah. Yeah. Have you gotten into Better Call Saul? Yeah. I've watched a couple episodes of it, and it seems fine, but... I know people who are like, by the end of it, are like, this is better. This yeah. is better. And yeah. I, I've heard that, but I haven't got far enough to, to have that conclusion. That's an investment. <laughs> it it's is a six-season show, yeah. I've seen the first season and a half, I think. You know, I, I want to get into it. I completed the first season, so... Yeah. Maybe but, someday. But some, I, I think Saul Goodman is a great character. I think he's hilarious. I think Bob Odenkirk, Odenkirk is a treasure. I mean, really kind of relaunches his career in some mm-hmm. ways, is that the performance of Saul, the character of Saul Goodman, like really kind of reintroduces Bob to a whole gener- new generation of, of fans. Mm-hmm. And I know there's a lot more Mike in it, and Mike is a really interesting fixer-heavy guy, I and I, guy. I, really, I really like that character a lot, too. I like that actor. Yeah, he's good. He shows up on my list elsewhere. Oh, yeah? Got a good okay. face. Yeah. Got a good face. I thought that's who it was. So uh, anyway, uh, that's it for number uh, six for me. That's Breaking Bad. We're moving on to number five. We're in the top half. Arthur, what's number five for you? Uh, Number five is Joe. I've seen it a couple times through. I actually just rewatched the pilot a couple weeks ago. Um, And it's one, again, just the writing, the comedy, the bits. It's just so clever. Um, And it's, I think, on TV, the closest we've gotten to a live action cartoon uh, frankly, I'm no Superman, and so Scrubs is coming in here at okay. number five. Okay. Uh, just uh, again, it is it's the it is the Simpsons. Uh, I mean, it is yeah. a live action cartoon. We get the cutaways, the non sequiturs that we'd only kind of seen in animation up to that point. Some like proper dream episodes too. Yeah. Um, like, there's like a fantasy episode I'm thinking of late in the show's yep. run. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's some just great stuff that shows up that happens in it. Uh, it's these you know, high art caricatures that you've seen on TV um, who all get to be very realized characters in some way by the end. Um, And so I I think there's something clever about that. I think it's funny that just this absurd cartoon uh, hospital show is kind of regarded as the best actualization of how hospitals work and, what happens in a hospital. You know, I've heard doctors say, you know, of the, you know, uh, hospital TV shows, what's the most accurate and many of them point to scrubs. Not ER, it's scrubs. Yeah, that's that's so it's not that, it's not grays, it's, it's scrubs. And there's something huh. to me that's, you know, really fun about that as well, that it does really take, I think, what starts as kind of a satire of the hospital show and, and then does something really smart and clever with it. And then you've got, you know, obviously, you know, JD and Turk and all their relationships, Sarah Chalk, who's great. We get great guest appearances from Heather Graham. Uh, Brendan Fraser gets a I mean, singular one, great yeah, episode. All time great. Um, you know, it's just, it's a lot of fun. Great characters. Uh, I, I think a team who really trusts their actors to do improv and, and make their moments. And obviously all the stuff with janitor is, is so fun. Um, so yeah, it's, it's John C. McGinley is Dr. Cox on that it's, show. It's just fucking ugh, incredible. Killing it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean everybody is just operating on, a, on another level, I think. Totally. So, uh Scrubs is just yeah, so fun. 
Very good, very good. What comes in at number five for you, Dalton? Uh, my number five is also a sitcom, uh, a little less traditional, so a, a cable sitcom, but is similarly, you know, kind of realizing some of the, the the seeds being planted by shows like Scrubs and Malcolm in the Middle and kind of the aughts, and is kind of, I think you could call it a, an evolution, an outgrowth of that, but it is very much singularly its own thing. It is Donald Glover, Stephen Glover, and Hiro Mirai's Atlanta. And I could name a bunch of other people on the I, I've got to keep watching. I, I'm almost through the first season, and I think, I think I like it. I think you'll have more fun with it than I think a lot of people struggle with season three because there's such a long break production between mm-hmm. two and three. And three is kind of the anthology season. It's very much like the, the Twilight Zone, but for race season. And I think that, that I'm kind into of, that. Yeah, it's really interesting, but I, I think it stopped a lot of people. I, I think one there there is kind of a take out there that season three like is pandering to white people um, mm. by having more episodes be about white people and like whiteness as it relates to blackness. Um, and again, like season three just doesn't focus on the core team of the show. Okay, so, so it, it, there's like four episodes of the less ten, paper boy less paper boy out. less urn yeah mm-hmm. less um uh you know oh my god i can't like think of Stanfield or uh, zazie beats characters names right now you know look we don't think about tv as hard uh clearly but this show thinks very hard about television that's one of the things i like about it um never you know they're never scared to play with the form there's all kinds of like standalone episodes or episodes that there's the final season features a mockumentary about a very goofy movie about how the goofy movie is the blackest movie ever made uh, yeah, I, I, it's it's so good uh, and then just i'm always interested in like the ways in which they mess with the format of the show and like uh introduce like new the first season episode of this uh, that i think is really good is one where you might not have gotten to this one yet paperboy goes on like a, a bet type network it's like a panel I have, show yes You've seen i this have episode. seen that one yeah that one i liked a lot yeah so the season four, i like it second most so far yeah the, the season four episode that i just referenced is like also on that channel okay in the, in the fiction of the show yeah there's also like a, a show an episode in the final season that is like just about tyler perry and like his whole <laughs> empire okay very very interesting and then there's Meta. an episode in season two that's kind of just about michael jackson okay like yeah, very yeah. much like donald glover and his team like really kind of being like how do we how do we like really kind of talk about these like larger societal issues while still making kind of a funny surreal absurdist sitcom i really had a good time with the black justin bieber episode god that episode's <laughs> so funny I, I mean yeah you gotta stick with the show man yeah. especially robin season like season two will really get you into it and then season three will be this whole weird experience okay. you'll go through and then four will kind of bring you back home i will continue i will i will i will soldier on yeah and well they, they explore the arc of everybody's life and career in like a really interesting way i i'm i am I think they do a good job of like kind of furthering everybody's story while still kind of coming to a, a very satisfying and very Atlantic conclusion mm-hmm. by the end of the four season run. I'm starting to really believe in the four or five season run is like, that's yeah, where most shows kind of ideal. It. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think most shows anymore. Anyway, that's, that's my number six pick is Atlanta. Very good. Very good. Uh, so I'm sorry. My number five, number five is what you were doing. Yeah. Um, number five for me is another big hitter, heavy hitter, prestige hitter that I think we'll probably hear at least one other time, uh, later on in the show. And that is, um, the wire. 
Uh, gosh, I mean, introducing the show with the murder of someone called Snot Boogie, who we will never hear anything more about, uh, in which we find out he's always stealing the pot when people are throwing dice and playing craps in the back alley. But you got to keep letting him play because that's America. That's the game. And that is the entire show as it runs. It's some really, really uh, compelling investigations. And that's what's really great about it is that we see the same set of cops throughout, but we alternate the crooks that we're following, although we find out that the various criminal networks that we investigate, there are sort of um, interrelationships and, yeah. and, and connections between them. And so you, you meet some fascinating, fascinating characters along the way. I mean, Avon Barksdale and... Uh, Stringer Bell. Stringer Bell, played by the incredible Idris Elba. And Wood Harris, yeah. I mean, Wood, the two of them are so good together. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, baby Michael B. Jordan we see for a little bit in the show, and he is so good as Wallace. Where the fuck is Wallace, Stringer? That is a good question. Inquiring minds want to know. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, well, you don't want to... Well, you do, but you don't want to know. You don't want to know. Don't wanna know. But I like the Longshoreman. I like the newspaper Season two one. is so good. I, 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 I enjoy every part of this whole thing uh, coming together. And so it, it, it's just a great way to look at the sort of major institutions in a city. And again, like uh, Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. it is very much of its place, very much a Baltimore show. I won't say a whole lot more because I'm sure we're going to talk about it a little bit more. But uh, I love The Wire and it is a really good time. It is one of those shows that is up to the hype, and uh, it does meet the hype for me, and so it comes in at number five for me. Moving on to number four. What is the fourth best TV show you've ever seen, Arthur? Um, my fourth favorite TV show is another comedy. Um, it is another one that I've gone to I don't know how many times, and it represents a certain genre of comedy as well here uh, in the mockumentary format. And it's the American remake of The Office, um, a, a show I've gone to. My son so, loves it so much. Yeah, I mean, it, it does kind of live really in that vein. really speaks to a lot of people, yeah. Yeah, it lives in that vein of these kind of generational shows, which just seem to always catch a new audience. And so um, it, it always will have a home streaming somewhere, right? I mean, it's one of those that gets leveraged uh, for its streaming ability to you know, have people pay a bucket load of trucks worth of money uh, backed up to to get it when they the could air. probably just buy the whole series on eBay for like 40 bucks yeah you can get the DVDs real quick and cheap right, right? Yeah. And, but but it is this sort of it's it's there with friends and, and others as Side having bells. this sort of leverage yeah, yeah. Uh, and so man I, I I love it I love the comedy it's obviously one that has had ups and downs and people will speak to that especially after Carell leaves Um and then the kind of way that Corell will get written, you know, Michael Scott can be a variety of different things depending on what the episode needs, mm-hmm. uh, which is a really interesting way to sort of um, use characters as, as tools to get the story told. Um, but just great chemistry between the cast, great casting there. I think Allison Jones is the casting director on that show. Uh, and she'd done several other comedies kind of around that time uh, and really assembles a cast. Rain Wilson uh John Krasinski, Michael Scott, or uh Steve Carell, uh Ed Helm showing up later works very good. And, Isn't and Will Farrell in it later? He has a run. He has like a three episode run after Scott leaves. Mm. Um has James the replacer. Yeah. Idris Elder. Yeah. Idris Helm. Idris comes in for for a run, I think, in season five. Um five yeah. great guest stars, yeah. Yeah. And and I mean Amy Adams has an early episode uh, run uh, as a 
potential girlfriend of, of Jim's. Uh, casting crossover from The Wire, Amy Ryan. Yep. Really great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On The yeah. Office. As, as Holly. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, a lot of fun actors showing up, a lot of fun characters. And then a lot of great character moments, though, from, from just like the random background people, Creed and Phyllis and Meredith and, and all these people who... I think early on we're just kind of cast to round out, you know, the office roles who all kind of got to come into their own, especially after Corell leaves. You can kind of see them trying to figure out ways to kind of make up for the the hole in the show. Mm. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, Robert California, uh, James Spader coming in, does a big piece of, of legwork there. And Kathy Bates even mm. uh, and her little run on there. Mm. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's great. And yeah, stack cast. It's yeah. fun. And just s- some peak comedy talking about weird cringy, uncomfortable, and making a work between, you know, BJ Novak's run with uh, Scott's Tots, which is kind of held up as like the most awkward of all of it. When Michael Scott goes to this high school where he's promised all these underprivileged uh, student scholarships and he has to go in and tell him, hey, I can't fund you. Right. It is so awkward to be there. Or the dinner party where Michael and Jan have a huge fight after he's invited people from the office over and and i've read the um there's a uh, i think it's in rolling stone there's a uh i can't think of this the interview they've interviewed everybody you uh, know okay. like, like an oral a, history yeah oral history of of that episode and i've read it a few times because it's just so fascinating to me the way that all comes together and so uh, it's i mean i'm watching it right now i'm about finished with it again and i've i don't know how many times i've seen it but this mockumentary style also kind of fills in for I, I wrestled with parks and rec as being on here i wrestled with maybe something like abbott elementary which is still feels a little too early to put it on here mm-hmm. uh, but the office also kind of stands in for that mockumentary style what we do in the shadows maybe as well mm-hmm. so yeah uh, it's the office very good, very good. Uh, what comes in at uh, number, what are we doing? Number five, four. fours. We're doing fours. I do unfortunately have another problematic creator at number four. What are you going to do? Woody uh, Allen? No, not that one. <laughs> Has he uh, done TV? I don't know. Of. He, I think he was a TV writer early in his career. Um, Checks out. This is a very high concept show. Uh, it only ran for three seasons and barely was watched by anybody while it was on. But those in the know know that this is one of the greatest TV shows ever made. And it is The Leftovers, uh, starring I Justin Theroux, Carrie Coon, uh, Christopher Eccleston, uh, many others. I forgot about that show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for those of you who have never heard of it, You're I'll give you the brief syn- synopsis. Three years after the disappearance of 2% of the global human population, a group of people in a small New York community try to continue their lives while coping with the tragedy of the unexplained nature of the event. Uh, maybe the best show about faith and grief and how we deal with the question of mortality and how we deal with the silence of God. Uh, it's just incredible television. I really love it. Uh, the first season... thematically all things I love. Yeah, the first season's a big ask. Uh, there's a lot of dog death in the first season. Uh, part of the premise of the show, again, there's just a lot of people who have disappeared, so there are a lot of feral pets out there. Oh, yeah. And there's a guy in the town who is just like running around shooting dogs, and Justin Thoreau, the sheriff, is obviously wants to stop this guy, and then starts to wonder if maybe this guy's right. And so right. that's like it's kind of this weird complication of the first season. It's a big ask for a lot of people, and a lot of people have a hard time getting past that ask because it comes up in like the first or second episode. Like it's yeah, I mean it's, it's, it, it makes sense though. It's, it's yeah. pest control at that point. You yeah, know? It, I mean it, which you hate to say, but. Yeah, well, yeah. but then, then there's a dog that he tries to rescue uh, that is feral. And so that becomes, yeah, it's great. Uh, the dogs are a metaphor, obviously. Everything is a metaphor in this fucking show. And it is kind of annoying, but it is kind of what's beautiful about it. Uh, maybe one of the best on-screen depictions of grace 
uh, like a true moment of human grace that is like so beautiful and profound and is just like one of my favorite moments of TV in the end of the second season. Hmm. Uh, really interesting ideas about the afterlife and questions about the afterlife and, you know, near death experiences, some very fun, trippy episodes in, in that realm. And then the third season is just very kind of mystical and weird and features uh extended cameo from what's his face from perfect strangers not balky the other guy oh okay yeah, yeah. the other guy mark tom three names whatever mm-hmm. his his name is he's yeah a great performance in season three as himself uh yeah weird show incredible show uh you gotta check this show out uh it, it, is, it is a thing that i love which is that every few episodes um, especially in the second and third seasons, but every few episodes will just be like a character centric episode. It's like, Hey, the side character, this whole episode's about them and what their whole, the, what the shit that they've got going on that you've barely seen. Uh, and I love those kind of cutaway episodes where we're like, now we're going to explore somebody a little bit, kind of get to know them and like what their deal is. And it just like broadens the, the depth of the cast and, and like what each character is going through in like such an interesting way. And, yeah, I love the show. I think it's got one of the great endings. I think it really lands the plane in a, in a really remarkable way. And again, like, plays with this question of unknowability and, like, kind of walks up to the, the line of giving you answers and maybe gives you an answer, but, like, stays unknowable in a really satisfying way. The Leftovers. Very good, very good. Uh, number four for me is one that's going to be no surprise to anybody here. It is one of my background TV shows. Uh, it is about an America that never existed probably never will exist, but it'd be kind of cool if it was more like that in some ways, in other ways, not so much, but the, the America in which people talk to each other. And that is the America of Eric and Sorkin's, uh, the West wing. Ah, uh, yeah. It, it would be nice if people would like speak to each other and honor each other and, you know, find ways to, you know, I don't know, compromise. Uh, all of those things are sort of interesting ideals. It would be nice if Democrats ever did anything but seed powered Republicans. Well, yeah, that would, would also, that be interesting. Also that, or the, sort of ideologically honorable Republican would be a great idea. Um, God. I mean, yeah, yeah you a know. conservative, like, with real ideals other than bigotry. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and, and people, the, like, are good faith actors on that show. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Every, it, it, it it's a beautiful a world dream. In which everyone is a good faith actor. Yeah. Instead of just simply uh, unscrupulously searching for power and uh, will we'll give up things in order to gain more power. And that's mm-hmm. the only really reason why the anyone does that. It's sort of the hellscape in which we live now uh but incredible performances i mean we could talk about john spencer the late great john spencer we could talk about bradley whitford uh we could talk about allison janney who goes on to win an oscar uh, uh man richard schiff who is schiff uh, oh he says toby ziggler is a fascinating who's kind of done dirty you know sorkin exits the show after the fourth season and uh, he has a an interesting arc that i i kind of like mm-hmm. but i understand how many fans found that less than satisfying uh, the way in which Toby sort of finds his closure ending uh, to the show uh, again Martin Sheen just incredible as uh, President Josiah Bartlett this incredibly um, uh, sort of uh, Kennedy Democrat but again in a world that doesn't exist and but it uh, gives you know AP government teachers something to show their class on when on election day yeah exactly you know I mean? yeah that's how i saw it that's my first exposure to the west wing right. i didn't watch it as it aired like th- this is like if people took the constitution seriously you know yeah. what a thing uh that would be it you know and seriously doesn't mean literally that's not the same th- anyway um more on that in other places uh, this is not a politics podcast however there's a lot of really sort of fascinating stuff with it and again just great 
performances. Rob Lowe is actually good in it, even though yeah. his uh, character arc's not that particularly interesting for a lot of people, and that's fine. And that's why he ends up exiting the show, because people cared much more about um, uh, Bradley Woodford and, uh, oh gosh, Donna, Janelle Maloney. Oh yeah, I can't think of her name either. Uh, yeah. She's great, though. Yeah. She hadn't worked a lot other than The West Wing. No, not really. But she's but, good on it. But she's, she's so good. Uh, but it's, it's great stuff. Uh, good speeches. Well-written speeches. I mean, people don't talk like this. People don't talk to each other like this. The heights of Sorkin dialogue. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The um, walk and talk, baby. But, and again, this great moving camera throughout. Uh, yeah. Just super believable. I love The West Wing. I can watch it all the time. And uh, it's it's a great show of a world that never was to the West Wing thing. I have Dave and, Anthony's podcast. And, and I think a lot of the criticisms are valid. Yeah, but it doesn't it does not undo the fact that it is just fascinating to watch. And well, and I think they kind of like the show, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, you can't critique something if you don't have some love for it. I yeah, think. it has a real kind of cinema sins kind of thing. And, yeah. and you know, he uh, yes, yeah, Sorkin doesn't write women well and doesn't treat women well. Yeah. And, and there's a certain way in which meanness is a substitute for humor sometimes. Mm. And you've got to sort of recognize this is not the real world. You can't talk to people like this. Mm-hmm. Even in a world in which we were all good faith actors, you really shouldn't talk to people like this. Mm-hmm. And so if you can sort of take those bits of advice from the West Wing thing and then go on, you're okay, I think. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I really like the West Wing. It's just good prestige TV. And um, Have you got into Veep? I have not. I'm curious what you think of that. I've only seen like a season or two of it. Yeah, I, I, I you know, uh, two or three. Julie Louise Dreyfus is yeah. a great actress, and I really love really her. Really good cast on that show. And so I, I think I would dig it a lot because she's like a bad Veep who, like, she's like, is she like a she's ser- miserable. Okay, is she's she- so miserable. Yeah, it just like starts with her being. It's just you know she she was running for president a little bit and kind of ended up being the running mate. And yeah, it just okay. like starts with her being actively unhappy. Unhappy. Okay. Yeah, but she's not incompetent, is she? Everyone's incompetent. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's the so government. It's the, yeah. <laughs> Everyone is at some. The, the most competent people are the least listened to. Because I, I, I think I thought it was like, what is Sarah Palin? And no, 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 no. It's a little more than that. It, it's. Have you ever seen the film In the Loop? You know, no. Uh, you saw Death of Stalin. This is all the yes, same. This is all De- the same guy is okay. why I keep asking. Okay, yeah, yeah, I've seen Death of Stalin. Yeah, it is all operating in that same, like, the whole thing is a farce, and any idea that it could be anything other than a farce is probably a problem. Yeah. And that that's sort of the worldview that the show operates from, I think. Which is a, the more cynical, contemporary yeah, kind time. of thing. And, and again, I like cynicism, and I, and I enjoy that kind of thing, and I think that's a, a more accurate way to think about our political life. But I kind of do like just the sort of, yeah. you know, uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington sort of idealized kind of world that the West Wing creates, too. Because like, oh, wouldn't that be great it's sort of it's aspirational in that Mm -hmm. sense i like that so uh there you go that's uh number four for me we're moving on to number three the top three archer was number three for you uh number three for me was one that initially didn't hit me until i started sitting down to look at this list and thinking about it um and i i don't know why i would omit it um it is often touted as the longest running uh weekly episodic tv in u.s history uh which is a big part of its uh, exaggeration and carny background. Um, it was a huge part of my high school. Uh, it debuted in 93. Uh, I started watching it in 98. And that's the WWE. Um, oh, which is just... Sports whoa, TV. He just blew whoa. up the entire frame. I, I yeah. thought he was yeah. talking Simpsons for a second. No. Uh, See, I do an avant-garde documentary or experimental, and everybody goes, no, you can't do that. How Arthur pulls this stuff. I, I can't talk about a scripted TV show. 
with I mean, you're stories not, and characters, and you're not wrong. I know spinoffs. I, 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 I'm just, I'm just yeah. being you to you. Yeah, <clears throat> but you're not as good as me, so that's okay. That's totally true. <laughs> and yeah, meanness does not befit me. You're that's right. True. An interesting history with cruel. with streaming. And, yeah, and like kind of a really interesting, you know, artifact of the streaming era. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. what's going on with WWE yeah. and like their their team up now with UFC with the, and yeah, I yeah. Mean, that whole thing. But yeah, I mean, I I mean I I ate, slept, I breathed uh, WWE in high school. And, you know, I would record every episode of Raw uh, when it would air. Do you watch Raw and SmackDown? Yeah, yeah, yeah. SmackDown starts in 2000. And so, yeah, that was that's why I kind of just said in WWE, right? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, pay-per-views and mm-hmm. and everything that kind of goes, you know, and if you'd told me in that high school. NWO era was so fascinating to watch. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the peak, right? The Rock, Steve Austin, and obviously WCW is part of that. But, yeah. you know, they putter out in 2001. Mm-hmm. And I never really had the ability to watch, you know, access to things like ROH and TNA and Impact or whatever it is now. Um, so WWE was kind of what I knew, you know, and I didn't have the resources to, you know, trade tapes and get stuff from Japan or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I was aware of it and I was very, you know, ingrained in that culture and that's what I loved and I still follow it now, you know, and if you could have told high school me that, uh, one day you'd be able to pay 10 bucks a month and watch all of the pay-per-views you wanted, um, and, and probably have a harder time getting the weekly TV shows, uh, <laughs> because of cable prices, I probably would have... I don't know what I would have done, uh, but it was just such a huge part of me and my culture and what I mean, hours each week watching mm-hmm. WWE uh, in form and fashion and buying DVDs and documentaries and all that stuff. And so uh, it, it was one initially I, I did because it is, you know, I, I thought about it as sports TV, but then also it is a scripted television pro with stories and characters. Yeah. And so it fall, you know, kind of walks this weird line. Right. Um, but yeah, it's WWE. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Great pick. I mean, it really is a great pick. I love it. I honor it, and I expect the same in return at some point. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to make that promise. Yeah, I see. that's fair. We'll see. Uh, coming in at number three for you, Dalton. Uh, this is, for me, kind of my very basic, well, not the only, one of my very basic prestige TV picks. Uh, it is AMC's Mad Men, which ran mm. for 7.5 seasons, depending on, yeah, eight, come on, it's eight seasons. I hate Nothing more the same than thing. the two season part, one, final. part one. No, yeah. just yeah, season eight, nine, whatever. Yeah, it yeah. was like a money deal. Yeah, uh, I love this show. I actually just rewatched the pilot today uh, to kind of cement its place on my list. I just as I was mm. preparing this list, I was like, I got to do a great Man. pilot. I haven't watched the series, but I watched that pilot. And man, what a what an ending. Yeah, great ending. Great ending to that pilot. Uh, just a it's good TV, man. Uh I, uh, I'm really looking forward to my rewatch. I've only seen this show one time, weirdly. I, I watched the first two seasons on DVD, uh, from Blockbuster. I'm going to give you an idea of the era. And then I watched the remainder of the show as it was airing and, uh, have not gone back to it yet with the exception of, you know, I've seen the suitcase a few times, some of the best episodes I've revisited. Uh, my wife, you know, watched it for the first time while we were dating. And so I saw bits of, you know, a rewatch with her. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to rewatching the show that is... I don't know, like a very a hilarious show, a show that's like his sense of humor is kind of underplayed when people talk about it. You know, it gets talked about as this this great drama about the American dream and the the inventors and masterminds behind the American dream and sort of this sort of skewed take on America's golden age and all of this stuff that comes to the show. And it has all of that. Sure. It is also hysterically funny, just like outrageously dryly 
wryly funny. And Dustin, you've watched Mad Men, right? I've seen most of Mad Men, That's yes. What I and I and I really, really like it. I like Don Draper a lot. He's a fascinating character to me. Oh, a character that ruined my twenties, truly. Yeah. Sure. I'm yeah, just yeah. trying to emulate an asshole. But yeah, yeah. you know, ah. that'll 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 happen to you sometimes. Uh what do you want? Yeah, what do you want? Uh just doing a, a John Hamm impression so fun. <laughs> it's just a picture of nostalgia. The feeling you get. <laughs> it's just basically Rod Serling. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> You're just talking about ad stuff, though. But the clothes, man. Oh, the, uh, the cigarette smoke and the suits and the bourbon. <sighs> oh, the colors. The fucking mid-modern, uh, mid-century modern man, architecture love... <sighs> and furniture. Yeah, it's, one of the, it's just an incredible looking show, for mm-hmm. starters. And again, just like a really great character piece. You know, you watch all of these characters evolve and grow, and some of them fall off and leave the show because of contracts and all these other things that happen with tv shows but you get new characters who come in and have their own sort of interesting arcs and and developments with characters that are you know been in since season one uh you get these interesting evolutions of the show as like their workplace becomes integrated Mm -hmm. and the show kind of has like introduces a new gear that you didn't know it had and that's that's what really is exciting about the shows for 92 episodes they like kind of keep introducing new gears and going oh we got a little bit more going on. Yeah, this character's got more going on than the you thought 60s they did. were tumultuous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just it is such an interesting exploration of the sixties, starting in I believe I think the first season starts in the fall of fifty nine, and so, I think the yeah, show right wraps in, in like in seventy. Mm-hmm. I think is if, if I remember the timeline of the show right. And one of my favorite things about the show, I'm I'm unclear on the timeline because the show's timeline is kind of foggy. And it never tells you what year it is. You just have to pick up from context it's like clues. Kennedy just died, so it yeah. must be sixty three now. Exactly, it's a Cuban Missile Crisis. Is right. What's going on? Yeah, and so you kind of have to pick up through context because MLK just got killed. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to figure out like, and each season has a pretty big time jump between seasons. There's usually like a six to eighteen month time jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sometimes within seasons, they'll do time jumps. Like, so I really love that aspect of the show where it's kind of elliptical in its storytelling and it'll just kind of like you have to infer what's gone on with the characters in the intervening months and years. And uh, really fun aspect of the show. Yeah. And me. Elizabeth Moss. Dude, Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. I mean, gets the Handmaid's Tale off of it. Like, she's, <sighs> I mean, it obviously, you know, comes up on West Wing, uh, your mm-hmm. number four pick. But yeah. yeah I, she's so good on the show. I mean, everybody. Vincent Carthreiser is great. Um, I, I just want to call him Roger Sterling. Um, I can't think of his name. Mm. The silver-haired fox. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I feel bad. He's great. He's, he's great. He's um, incredible. Christina Hendricks. Oh, I right. Mean, yes. Kind of launches her career. January I mean, Jones. Yeah, yeah. January Jones is like underrated. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm frequently saying things like, "Yeah, you go, girl." When January Jones is on screen, even when she's having her weird relationship with a child. <laughs> I'm sometimes saying, you go, girl, I think. I think, but maybe not. <laughs> but also maybe not. But you shoot those birds. You shoot those <laughs> birds with that BB gun, January Jones. Uh, yeah, I love the show, and I can't wait to wait to rewatch it. What's your number three, Dustin? Number three for me is a Polish... Here we go. Here it is. <sighs> television show. Yeah. It's 10 episodes. Do they episodes. have TVs in Poland? They, they do have... Yes. I don't believe it. <laughs> I knew you were going to... They have the internet, too. They have sausage, and that's I, all I care about. I was so nice to you. Were you? I, I was. You've got your villain mustache. This is Darkest Timeline <laughs> Dustin saying he's being nice. It, it is racist to say it takes more than one Polish person to restart a router. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it is correct. Um, Those Poles. It, Krzysztof Kieślowski uh, almost made... The list when we're doing teaching Christoph Kieślowski almost made the list uh, for some of his French filmmaking uh, in the three colors red or white. Let's go wait. No, I got to do the order right. Blue, 
Red, White. Mm. I got to do the order uh-huh. right. Uh-huh. Uh, the, then those three movies. Yeah, uh, familiar. Ju- the great, great set. But I, I ended up already had a French entry, so I did something else. Mm-hmm. But he made a television show in uh, Poland called Decalogue. Oh, uh, yeah. Which okay. I, yeah, I was forced to watch during seminary, and I'm so glad I did. Uh, it's so hard to find. Uh, you can find physical media. At the time, it was really hard to find. I actually have a Korean disc that also Korean and English subtitles. That's nice. And so is it on Criterion? It is not at this point, as mm. far as I know. Seems like but a Criterion like the, thing, doesn't it? They had a release, though, at some point yeah. of a Blu-ray or something. Gotcha. I didn't know Three Colors and Decalogue was the same guy, but I should Same have. guy, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so each of the ten episodes are based on the Ten Commandments, but not necessarily directly any one of the commandments every time. And sometimes it's sort of like the, the broader kind of ethical system that is suggested by it. And so each individual episode uh it's my trust in computers and that so the first episode which is a really tough watch i might suggest as well uh, a son and his father are sort of just calculating based on weather patterns and uh, using a computer to crunch the numbers as to uh how long the ice is skatable mm-hmm. i'll leave it there uh there's another episode in which a uh, a wife is with the doctor and she's trying to get the doctor to play God and tell her exactly whether or not her husband is going to live or die from this terminal illness she has. Mm-hmm. We find out later the reason why she wants to know is she's had an affair and she's going to abort the baby if he's going to live. Yeah. And not if he's going to die. Yeah. Yeah. And so this sort of Hell really yeah. murky moral universe. Love it. Uh, there's an episode in which there is a killer who does a killing and then is executed. And sort of the justification of this kind of violence and mm-hmm. questioning and interrogating that kind of stuff. Uh, a few episodes were made into feature-length films as well, but that that's sort of the the, the gist of what we're dealing what with. What is the runtime on the episodes? Uh, each episode's an hour. Okay, I was one. I figured it was probably a full hour. For yeah, each full one. hour uh, for that. Uh, but really uh, interestingly shot. Uh, the gray exteriors of the sort of they all all the characters live in the same apartment building. Cool. But each oh, so some characters will show up in multiple episodes. You, you might I'm sure. see them, but you, they gotcha. don't really have a lot of interaction between them Uh, but man Decalogue is some of the most incredible TV I've ever seen uh, truly, truly, it is, and uh, it is worth seeking out on physical media. Just sight unseen, blind by it, guys. It is, it's that good. Uh, I I like Decalogue a lot, and uh, it's incredible. Isn't the Decalogue a room on the USS Enterprise? <laughs> Funny here. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> that's good. That's that's very good. All right, moving on to number two. What's the second best TV show, Arthur? Uh, number two for me is I, I think arguably to this day. Uh, at least the first three seasons, this the best written comedy I've ever seen, uh, movie or TV. I, I think it's just so stinking clever the way it sets up gags and bits in the background of early episodes that it plays off five to eight episodes later. Uh, just a mile a minute gags and jokes, uh, double entendre and wordplay. Uh, it's just incredibly smart and it's arrested development nice. uh, yeah yeah it's good the uh you know uh season four i've i saw the original version of it i haven't seen the the now i guess only version which has been recut to make it a little more traditional in that i think the other version is still available but you have to like go digging around really like, the i thought features. they dropped it completely oh have they dropped it completely I they, yeah. they may oh, i wow. thought that the last i looked i thought it was off but wow. anyway uh yeah they you know they recut for initially it was from each character's up uh each character's point of view, and then they kind of recut it to make it a little more in line with the original three seasons. I haven't even searched out season five. Just it, it feels like uh, uh, you know a last ditch you know hurrah to try to 
capture previous glory, but all of those actors had gone on to do such different things at this point mm-hmm. to try to get them all together was hard. Well, and things got weird with Tambor. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was a whole thing as well. Um, but the first three seasons, I, I mean, God, uh, there will be characters walking in a hall to school. You know, uh, maybe and George Michael will be in the hall at school, and you'll see a sign just randomly in the background, uh, which becomes a bit several episodes later. And and so weaving those foreshadowing things that happen with Buster and his arm uh, very early on, uh, just so clever. The Lucille stuff is... Yeah, the wordplay. The Lucille, yeah. Lucille 2, mm-hmm. all of those things. I believe myself. Yeah. It's just so much... David Cross. Yeah. David Cross. Well, just operating show, on another plane, I think. Yeah. Uh, so funny as Tobias Funke. Uh, an Arapist. Um Yeah. The, the first and only Anorapist, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, Never nude. Portia de Rossi. Uh, <laughs> Jason Rossi Bateman. Uh, Will Ar- giving us the great Will Arnett. Uh, just a murderer's <laughs> roving uh, uh, of a, a cast. Just incredible. I, uh, yeah, launching Aaliyah Shawcat and Michael Sarah, yeah. who are both excellent. Yeah. Um, man, I, I love it. Yeah. I, I, I love it. I... I, I, I you know, I've seen it several times. It's it's the one go to like anytime we would move and like we were having to wait on our internet to get set up or whatever. Like, I've got those first you know three seasons on Blu-ray or on DVD, so it'd be like the show I'd pull out to, while we were unpacking or just sitting around waiting. It's nice. the one we watch, and so uh, especially that first season, I've seen quite a bit. But man, I just think it is so incredibly clever, uh, and obviously, you know, you get the Russos. Directing, I mean, launches their career for better or worse, uh, and so uh, <laughs> I, well, I think they're about to come up again. I imagine, uh, <laughs> but it showed how they could work with an ensemble, and I think it made sense to be able to bring them into the mm-hmm. early Avengers stuff happened in America Civil War because they could balance that many characters cohesively and uh, in a way that made sense and was able to be followed. Uh, so yeah, it's it's Arrested Development. Very good, very good. What's number two for you, Dalton? I don't. It's another problematic creator, but I don't know. His apology was okay, so I kind of give him some slack. Uh, and uh, yeah, he did work with the Russos, who went on to ruin movies forever. Uh, <laughs> but I love this show, and of course, the one broadcast sitcom on my list is the broadcast sitcom that's about broadcast sitcoms. It is Stan Harmon's Community. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the show. Uh, the show kind of is not responsible for my marriage. I wouldn't say that, but definitely like helped. It greased the wheels. Uh, it was a show my wife and I both liked independently of one another when we met and started watching reruns of it together very early. And it's, just, you know, it's a show we put on when we're doing laundry and pulling towels yep. and shit. Like this mm-hmm. is just like one of our go-to shows. Uh, and again, another appearance from Donald Glover, maybe one of, the best comedic performers of his generation. And, you know, we'll get, I hope he gets to do more dramatic stuff because, like, he's good at that, too. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. just a great performer. Uh, you know, Allison Brie, um, while splitting yeah. time between another show that I might talk about, or I've already talked about, I guess, uh, splitting time between Mad Men and this, like, just being on She's two good. of the best TV shows of that era. Uh, Yvette Nicole Brown, uh, really funny. Chevy Chase having his last hurrah as a racist yeah. uh, that everybody's tolerating because he's, you know, good at physical comedy. Yeah. Danny Pudi. Uh, holy shit. So funny. So funny on that show. And it goes on to be like so funny on uh, Mythic Quest, which yep. is like a whatever show, but he's really great. He's on great. It. In it, yeah. Uh, and Joel McHale, you know, like showing that he could do something other than the soup. Yeah. Uh, and he's like a really compelling presence for them to build the show around. He's 
the worst, and they take a lot of Harmon's worst in sensibilities and kind of channel it into that character. And I, I think you know it works to build this. I don't know. You, this they they build the family around this study group, and as characters leave the show, and we get introductions from Jonathan Banks from Breaking Bad, comes coming off mm-hmm. Breaking Bad, joins the cast for a season, and has a really good time. John yeah. Oliver shows up periodically. Yeah, Ken Jong becoming more of part of the cast. Yeah. Uh, Jim Rash after he gets his Oscar for The Descendants, like becomes a big part of the show. So good. Jim Rash is like legendary on that on Community yeah. dude. Yeah, he's. Just a showstopper. He's so funny. I hope this doesn't awaken anything in me. Just like constant jokes from him that are so good. A really fun episode about him in the late seasons. I, this is a show that doesn't fall off too. I think, and it is kind of interesting as a show that's kind of like about the streaming era because like terrible numbers in broadcast, but always good numbers in in net in uh, streaming. Mm-hmm. But streaming numbers were sort of private. And like nobody finds out how many people are actually watching till it ends up on Yahoo's briefly lived streaming service mm-hmm. for its final season. And it turned out lots of people were watching, but it wasn't enough to launch a streaming service. Now they're going to do finally close out the movie. Six seasons, seasons in a movie. movie. It's going to happen. Apparently, I guess last I heard, even Donald is kind of nascently on board. Yeah. So it seems yeah, like I think really the only person not is Chevy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think for the well, a number they of reasons. Chevy, obviously. Yeah. But yeah. For a lot of reasons, Chevy will not be coming back. Uh, I mean, it's I, I mean, it's one that probably could have made my was in a short list to make my list. Yeah, but I think especially when it finds its groove and really leans into that meta satirical, and especially starts playing with genre. Yeah, like, here's the stop motion episode. Here's the fantasy. You know, the, the obviously the action here's stuff. The David Fincher episode. Here's the western with the the, the paintball episodes yeah. are so good. Like when it really finds its voice in that way. With its characters, man, yeah, just firing on all cylinders, yeah, yeah, it really operates. Uh, the My Dinner with Andre episode, yep. yeah, oh man, I, yeah, oh, what a good episode. Yeah. I, and yeah, that's what's so fun about the show is like they never let themselves get pigeonholed into that lane of like this is the blank episode. They still like figured out how to be like, no, we're still doing, you know, not yeah. everything is the blank episode, yeah, and that's I don't know, I great ending. A really fabulous ending, and I'm curious to see what uh, they give us an epilogue with the movie. But yeah, I think one of the great sitcoms, in my opinion. Very good, very good. Number two for me is a major sort of television franchise, also film franchises. It is uh, huge, and I like the moody 90s stepchild version of it. Uh, it is Star Trek. It is Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Nice. I, um, I, I toyed around. I was around. wondering if Trek was going to make your list. I, I, I thought it would. Going back and forth yeah. with this and like Babylon 5, but Babylon 5 has a real appeal in its sort of micro budget, but honestly, there are some weird choices in Babylon 5, and uh, though there's some... You know, difficult special effects or whatever. There, there, are, there are actors that they're picking that are just doing things that are in another movie or another mm. TV series at mm-hmm. times. That is a little distracting. I, I, I'm on board for Babylon Five. I'm Team Babylon Five. And famously, Michael J. Straczynski pitched this as a Star Trek series, and then it didn't happen. And then they made their space station series not from his stuff but it's really really close and so there may be some plagiarism there but honestly the money and the additional writers and the additional sort of just force of nature that are some of the actors that are on the role just make it for a more entertaining and more easily easily watched series that's kind of what happened with me like firefly versus buffy like i'm not gonna two just Whedon shows on my list for starters yeah second of all like one doesn't go as long it's got some weird kind of gender stuff 
yeah. it, it isn't as interesting. But I, yeah, I, I, I felt the pull. I, I understand what you're talking about as far as like feeling pulled in different directions by related shows. Absolutely. And so I, I really do like B5, but it, for me, really, DS9 is just incredible. And I and I caught it 100% uh, while it was airing on the Fox Network I love it. as a kid. And so, yeah, it's just... One of the things that Star Trek figured out in the writing, this is also evident in Next Generation, is that you've got to get through just a bunch of sort of high concept sci-fi episodes in the first season or two to introduce your characters. And they're going to be really wooden. They're going to be really solid and they're not going to be really comfortable with each other. And then once the actors themselves are comfortable working with each other and that the audience understands a little bit of the background, the sort of high concept sci-fi that is those characters, we can then work into nothing but character development. And that, yes, we've got the issue of the week, the anomaly of the week, the sort of whatever of the week. But unlike uh, something like those space exploration starship based shows, we're always in one location. Mm -hmm. And so we can really sort of bear down into some socio-political, cultural yeah. kind of context. Tell a story with, about a community. Exactly. Yeah. And do that in this sort of great sci-fi space opera that is the world of Star Trek. And uh, so, yeah, uh, uh, Pillar and uh, and Bergman just do a great job running the, the uh, writer's room for that show. And then just incredible actors. And I mean, and again, I, I've asked before in the social media spaces, who is your favorite Star Trek captain and why is he Ben Sisko? Because... <laughs> Benjamin Sisko is incredible because he's not a captain to start off with. He's a commander and he gets promoted. Like that's part of the sort of just warp and woof of the show itself. Mm -hmm. And it does play with religious stuff. It does play with war on terror stuff before the war on terror even happens. It does play with sort of government shadow ops and all uh, it really is able to be a lived in kind of world in a way that the other series are not allowed. Mm. And, uh, and then they've just got crazy experimental things they do towards that seventh season. There's a moment in which, uh, Cisco has a uh, sort of a fever dream in which he imagines himself as a 1950s science fiction writer wanting to write this story about a space station with a black captain in the 1950s with all the actors out of makeup playing various 50s roles of the Great. people who work in Love a fever the, dream episode this this sort of sci-fi writing department it's it's so good uh, man, I, I love, I love, I love, I love Deep Space Nine. I can watch it all the time. I can watch it right now and would not want to stop. And so just incredible stuff. It makes you buy into these sort of weird fantasy characters. And man, it's just, it's a good time. Um, Deep Space Nine is one of those formative shows for me. And so it's number two uh, on uh, my list. Moving on to the great number ones. What's the best TV show, Arthur? I know uh, what it is. Yeah. I mean... I know what it is too. Yeah, it's pretty easy. Uh, I mean, it's been uh, on the air almost as long as I've been alive, uh, and it peaked early. And uh, I hear it's back. Yeah, I mean, I, I think keep there's hearing. you know there are episodes here and there through the later seasons uh, that I think still cook pretty well. Um, but it's The Simpsons. I mean, yeah, it's it's weird because. I mean, I, I, I watched it all through my childhood, and my parents let me watch it, and that was so weird because no other kid could watch it. <laughs> uh, there were I wasn't allowed there to. Were, There's yeah, a lot of there bands, were conservative yeah. groups who were like, "No, that Bart Simpson is the devil." You know, my whatever. grandparents said, "Don't watch it," and then let me watch it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but my parents were really open to let me watch it, and I, I it is very heavily a satire of all of those '50s and '60s 
family sitcoms of the the kind of American dream sitcom of the mm. nuclear family, right? When the dad works at the nuclear power plant. Here's and, a weird parental anecdote for your story while you're talking about it. So they said no Simpsons, and I watched the Simpsons the first couple three seasons as a kid as it was airing, and I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Then like I got busy the night it was on and never mm-hmm. saw it again. But I also watched quite a bit of the TV show Quantum Leap. Yeah. And my grandma came in at one of the episodes in which Scott Bakula is a pregnant woman. And his oh boy as he's about to give birth. And she said, none of that in my house. And that was... Wow. Uh, it's like, he's not a woman. He's just... It's in a, the body th- of a woman. It's a th- thing. Yeah. It's a... Uh, whatever. That's very funny. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, it was so it was always weird to me. You know, and, and I just watched so much. I mean, any opportunity I could to watch it, obviously, when it goes into syndication and reruns, mm-hmm. you know, there was always like the 5.30, 6.30 slot where it would air. Uh, but we had DirecTV and had like some kind of weird East Coast, West Coast Fox broadcast that we also got. Uh, so I could watch like three hours of The Simpsons a day. Nice. Right. And so I got so familiar. Yeah, I did. And I got so familiar with those early seasons that as soon as one could start, I could tell you, you know, what episode it was going to be. Right. And what was going to happen. Um, and so I think informative to my sense of humor and po- obviously po- we've talked about the postmodern thing and like. I've probably learned and become so familiar with, I don't know how many movies because of the Simpsons, whether it's Citizen Kane or whether it was Pulp Fiction or, you know, whatever it was, the Simpsons did it right. And that's become such a bit now that the Simpsons predicted it or the Simpsons have done it, you know? Um, And it's even the episode of South Park, right? The Simpsons have already done that or whatever. And Mm -hmm. and so uh, it was so just sharp, so quick witted, so smart just a stellar voice cast and a crew that's just somehow renegotiated themselves into, you know, billions of dollars over the years of Dan Castellaneta, Nancy Cartwright, Harry Shearer, Julie Kavner, Yeardley Smith, Hank Azaria, mm-hmm. uh, Pamela Hayden, Travis McNeil, uh, the recurring guest roles of Albert Brooks and Joe Mandanella and Kelsey Grammer. Uh, and the, the idea I think for so many celebrities that I don't think you've made it, until you've had the guest spot on the Simpsons. Like mm-hmm. that was like a marker. Like you're not anybody until you've had that spot, whether they were playing themselves or playing some random character who showed up and then just building out this depth chart of additional characters outside of the family that they could invest in and build episodes around a Pooh and principal Skinner and Patty and Selma and Mo and all these kind of peripheral characters who really came into their own over the course of, you know, the last 30 something years and, you know, getting characters like Smithers and Burns and Smithers is, you know, pop culturally early on as, you know, as a gay character on this cartoon series. And well, and speaking of cultural stuff, I mean, you just mentioned up who like the, all of the stuff with like the, the ethnic minorities yeah. in Springfield, those characters and like the recastings that have gone over the last yeah. few years, like it, the Simpsons is a cultural institution and must yeah. take cultural movement seriously. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, I mean, and obviously, the iconography of Bart Simpson as the spokesman for Butterfinger for so long and oh being on yeah. clothes and being toys and being everywhere. I mean, I have a cow, man. Yeah. Eat my shorts, Eat right? My- yeah. <laughs> and we're all bringing back Calabunga. Yeah. Oh, man. Calabunga totally. needs to come it's back. It's coming back. Um, yeah. Rosie says Calabunga. Good. See? I don't know good. why, but she uh, will run and jump yeah. and say Calabunga. Awesome. I love it. Um, but yeah, so many great moments. So many great. I mean, and those, you know, seasons like three to eight are just cook. I mean, there's not like a bad episode amongst them. Nice. And we obviously get, you know, a, another big part was the Treehouse of Horror and all those sure, fun little horror sure. snippets. And again, 
introductions to movies I'd never seen. The Shinnin. Yeah. You want to get sued? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Soylent Green and whatever it might be. So, I mean, I love it. And it's such a big part of who I am and my my childhood that, I, yeah, it's obviously it's going to be number one. So, uh, Dalton. Checks out. Checks you're out. number one. Number one. I think I already know When you is. walk through the garden, you better watch well, your back, that's right. baby. You better listen to Tom Waits is what you better do. You, Sorry. I, you just simply must understand you are living under institutions that will not change, uh, no matter how many well-meaning people are put in charge of them or are given say in them. It's, you know, it's turtles all the way down, man. Uh, <laughs> and that is what The Wire is about. Yeah, it, is, so it is a story of America. It is a story of a city. Uh, and Dustin already spoke pretty eloquently about it. I guess I'll say that I just, uh, I, I love the way it novelistically expands and delivers on the promise of television as a long form storytelling format. Is it format. Dickensian? Yeah. <laughs> yes, Dustin, it is the Dickensian <laughs> aspect, in fact. Uh, <laughs> it, I, I, I say that because I'm so frustrated with just that adjective and mm-hmm. no one unpacking it. But Well, and then they have fun with that in the fifth season, right? Right. The, the Dickin- I think there's even an episode that's yeah, called this, The Dickensian Aspect yeah, because they're making yeah. fun of that jur- the other journalist character. <laughs> I like season five. A lot of people don't like the journalism I, I season. It. I like that McNulty makes up a serial killer. Uh, <sighs> so it's funny. Great. Just like so funny that a cop like has to make up a serial killer for the city to take crime seriously. Uh, and to take like the less dead, quote unquote, seriously, and to take this the string of drug murders more seriously, I don't know. It's that's that's an interesting final place, and I, I do like the sort of cyclical nature of the series. I like how a lot of character stories end, and and the way we see people break certain cycles and succumb to other cycles. Like it, it is a really interesting kind of exploration of of you know, the nature of urbanization and the urbanization, there we go, in the 21st century. And uh, that's sort of what's so interesting about the show is it like premieres at the perfect time, right as the drug war is winding down and the war on terror is gearing up. And it, it really is sort of comes at a perfect time and really does spend five seasons studying a city. And obviously, you know, if you want to check out We Own This City, sort of a soft sequel to it, The Wire. And it's good. Yeah. I like it a lot. I've watched a, a pretty good essay. I watched the first episode and then watched uh, a, a, um, that, uh, like a skip video, in- that skip intro guy did a video essay for mm-hmm. his Copaganda series about it. And I was like, okay, I get it. I don't need to see the sequel. Barenthal's good. I love Barenthal. Yeah, I do like him a lot. Um, but yeah, David Simon obviously spent his career as a journalist before switching to uh, narrative fiction. And that career like is part of why this show works so well he spent time on corners talking to people who are running drugs he spent time in bullpens with the homicide detectives he got the legwork done and spent time as a journalist and mm-hmm. so was able to you know write truly build a writer's room cast unknowns i mean that's half the fun of getting into the wire is you get to play spot the wire actor and the mm-hmm. rest of media uh come on uh, speaking of R.I.P. Lance Reddick, uh, maybe one of yeah. the best to ever do it. I mean, God, he's so good on that show. Everybody, I, I'm not mm-hmm. going to list the cast because it's a cast of hundreds, and yeah. every single actor on the wire is incredible. Omar, uh, Method Man, Method, yeah, oh, yeah, Method Man, Method yeah. Man's in it. And he's good. Yeah, yeah, God, but yeah, uh, Michael Cable. It's God. I can't believe we've already like we're starting to lose wire actors. Mm-hmm. That's ugh, that's unsettling to think about. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I will leave you with this. She. <laughs> it's good TV. <laughs> it's good TV. Uh, man, it's not just TV, man. It's HBO. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's that's why they teach it in colleges. <laughs>
That's how I got into The Wire. It's so it's a good. college class. Gosh, I love The Wire. Uh, my number one TV show is no surprise is Twin Peaks. Yeah. Uh, all of the Twin Peaks, uh, both series, both uh, seasons of the original run of it, the uh, Twin Peaks Firewalk with Me movie, and uh, Twin Peaks: The Return, the Showtime series. It is. No, you've said it. You're now saying it here on the air. Twin Peaks: The Return is a show, not a movie. I'm saying it. I'm for my TV. Well, mm. I, I named a movie. It's one of the two movies. Oh my god! <laughs> People who call Twin Peaks: The Return a movie, I've just I've got a bone to pick should with be you. Beaten? They should be beaten in the street publicly. That's Publicly television. Shamed. <laughs> I don't care if he's a film director. It's a TV series. I'm it, sorry. It is, but it isn't. I mean, it's... No, it isn't. It's episodic. Yeah. That's what it's I would... It's a TV show. Uh, and it I, aired I on a TV I, channel. I, I, okay, whatever. I, I don't care. Um, <laughs> I love it, and it is incredible, and yeah. it is... In the sense, it is TV about TV. Yeah. It, I know I've said this before on the show, but I'll say it again, and that's not my observation. It's been made by other people in other places that's well before me. Community, yeah. And, uh, but that being said, the way in which uh, the procedural television, cop television, tends to make the murder of the week not about the victim at all. The victim mm-hmm. is barely sort of, it, there's barely any interest at all. This refuses to play that game. And the way in which the, the ramifications of the loss of one human being and on the lives of others is continually the idea there and done so in this quirky, weird dream you know, quasi fifties, quasi nineties, else world of the series, and possibly the single most incredible bit of experimental uh, video filmmaking ever made on ever to air on television in episode eight of the Return, uh, in which we sort of see the rise of the bomb and his relationship to multimedia, and the way in which bad eggs get planted in all of our souls, and this weird frog and moth critter. I mean, I'm saying these words to you I guys. I gotta see Twin Peaks. Man, I gotta finish Twin Peaks so I can watch The Return. You, you, you know, you is how really I feel. only have to watch Firewalk with me to get The Return. Yeah, I think it's all you gotta. If you know what you know, if I know the, what happened to Laura Palmer. I that can, you're good, to, and you know what happens in the last episode of season two. Of yeah, season two. Uh, yeah, he ends up in the room or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah he gets stuck so there. if you, yeah. if you know that, you can watch The Return. Okay, and I want to see the Nine Inch Nails stuff. I want to see the Laura uh, Dern stuff. And the yeah. Nine Inch Nails video is or the it's concert part of eight, right? is part of eight, which is the one that's got the nuke and yeah Yeah. it's incredible so uh yeah a great 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 uh mind that david lynch has and uh, again continually optimistic despite all of its terrors and horrors and the things that really kind of you know bristle him i mean i think that's an interesting thing about all three of these shows is they like uh, our three all three of our number ones i mean are like they have an interesting relationship with cynicism and optimism. Mm-hmm. All, all three of these, I, I think we've, we've kind of got an interesting bit of selection going on here. Yeah, they're not all about TV. I mean, your both of your selections are kind of about TV. Why are not really? But I think they're all very much about like this push and pull of like how much can we accomplish? Like how much can we move the needle in one generation? Like what yeah. are what are we? How 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 mm-hmm. do we how do we continue? How do we like undo the damage that came before us? Yeah yeah. And man, yeah. So there you go. Uh, that's a that's a good TV list. I got to watch more comedies. What do we have overlaps? We got you and I overlap on the wire. Yep. Uh, didn't we overlap on something? You overlapped on Buffy. Buffy. Yeah, Buffy. That's it. That's it. That's the only. Yeah. No. No triple crowns. Only. The, no. The least overlap in any of our lists over the last two years so. is television, which yeah. is uh, makes sense because it is the most ephemeral and the most broad, mm-hmm. and I've seen the least of. So yeah. Uh, one of my dissertation committee members is a television expert. Sorry, Doctor Takis. I'll do better in the future. I promise. What's Doctor Takis' favorite TV show? Uh, you know. You know. I don't know what um, her favorite TV show would be. 
That's a good question. I I I I have. You not, should talk to your committee. I know. I have not <laughs> grilled them. We don't talk about like, hey, what do you do in your spare time? Yeah, I don't know what she would say. Yeah. Um, I know she likes the West Wing a lot. Fair. So, but I'm, I I you know I'd be willing to say that she's going to say some some uh you know uh, public access something is probably what she would probably, <laughs> of course you know, red green you yeah. know well, she's she, really into Eric Andre. <laughs> I don't you know, I don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't know. But anyway. So there you go, dear listener. Um, your syllabus just got longer. Any honorable mentions? Oh man, there's a lot. Um, somebody else go, and I'll I'll tell you what I'm thinking. Uh, Justified was one mm. for me. I think like one of the great cop I need shows. To catch Justified. Yeah, it's really good. You know, it's doing kind of classic like cops and criminals aren't that different. I mean, it is doing the wire mm-hmm. thing, but it's about like two guys who grew up together and like dug coal together, and sort of it's not about that right away, but it very much becomes about these two men and like their their intertwining lives, mm-hmm. uh, and you know they're their different relationships to where to coal country and where they come from. Um, that's a big honorable mention for me. Um, I'm some adult swim stuff too. Um, some Anna, a cowboy bebop. Sure. Yeah. Uh, big honorable mention. I haven't rewatched it enough to like really feel like I should have it on the list. Um, what else? Aqua teen hunger force. I think that's mm. a really great show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen all of it, so I didn't feel like I could put it on the list, but, uh, I loved that show when I like when it first came out, that was really formative for me. Like watching TV, I wasn't supposed to be watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was yeah. a big one. Um, uh, I think for me, the kind of two big ones that really came close were, uh, Bojack Horseman. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. And if I'd, if I'd gone back and finished Bojack, I haven't seen all of it. Uh, but I think the first two or three seasons, I can't remember how many I watched three or four. I don't remember how many I actually watched, but it does that arrested development thing. It's just, mm-hmm. there's so many gags happening that take place. And I mean, I think the way in which it looks at and deals with anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. like I think it has some very smart stuff there. Uh, again, a strong voice cast, just this world that is built of these anthropomorphic people who exist alongside you. Like it's just yeah. a fun world as well. And the other one was Shit's Creek, which came mm-hmm. really close as well. I just, you mentioning joke a minute, uh, 30 rock. I really yeah. thought about uh, another yeah. show that we rewatch a lot at, at home. Uh, I don't know. There's just too much shit in 30 rock that I don't want to like stand up for. Yeah. You know, it's, That's it's fair. kind of mean spirited in yeah. a lot of ways that I'm like, eh, it doesn't really hold up super well. A lot of like jokes will make you cock your eyebrow these days, yeah. but like also an interesting, like saw a little bit further. Like yeah. it, it sees to the parody of uh, that. It sees the parody of itself that America's becoming and like, kind of gets ahead of the eight ball on that a little bit mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, in an interesting way. The only other real drama that almost made my list was Sons of Anarchy. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I thought about it because I, I love Sons of Anarchy. But yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. I, I thought a little bit about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the cartoon. Man, yeah, okay. I, I mean, would, it was a big deal for yeah. me. Well, sure. Batman was one. I Batman, you the animated series, there too. yeah. Nice. I, thought, I thought about it. Which I mean, really holds up, I think, as a series it, for I adults. I think it does too. Sure. Um, also, in terms of a, a live-action cartoon for adults, but it's still for kids, is the Highlander series in the nineties. Oh my Man. god! Yeah, I mean it was so fun. It was everywhere too. It's yeah. on like three different channels it was, in syndication, yeah, yeah. streaming everywhere. And I watched a lot of Western TV with my grandpa. And I don't, I don't care to go back to you know Gunsmoke or any of that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the Paramount uh, prequel to Yellowstone, eighteen eighty-three, mm-hmm. nice. w- with uh, Ford. Uh, with what? Ford? Uh, no, uh, I haven't seen that one yet. I, the Tim McGraw and Faith Hill oh, one. Okay. It's, it's further uh, back, even further. That's right. The Ford one's 23. The Yellowstone TV cinematic universe is insane. Taylor yeah, Sheridan it, there's, is there's a cooking lot in going, the kitchen over there, man. There's yeah. a lot going on there. And I don't know. I've, I don't see much of Yellowstone, and I, it seems like it's okay. Yeah. But um, I really like 1883. It's got Sam Elliott in it. Uh, do, That'll uh, do it. It's a train hey, boss. Cool. And, That'll do it. 
and it's it's just it's a great western serialized yeah. you know one shot. Uh, but despite whatever connection to 18, uh, the Yellowstone, whatever, it's eighteen eighty three is just good. The only classic show that really came close that I really did flirt with was Andy Griffith. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I liked Andy Griffith a little. I watched growing a lot of Andy Griffith too. Uh, I thought about Twilight Zone. Yeah. This is like the only classic TV yeah, yeah. that I thought about. Uh, miniseries uh, that I love, The Pacific. Mm, uh, yeah. Maybe oh, yeah. it's just because my grandfather served in the Pacific, but like a much bleaker view of war than Band of Brothers. Yeah. Uh, just like a much meaner, nastier conflict in some ways. And I think the, the story like really gets yeah. that. A I was much more for, racialized conflict. Yeah. Sure. yeah. I was looking for TV shows and uh, Lonesome Dove popped up and I was like, nice. Ah. Maybe. I like nice. Lonesome Dove. Yeah. I, I was like, like how? I, I always think of it as a movie. I never really even think of it. I know it was a miniseries, but. I get what you mean. Yeah. And I think a lot of people think of it as a, as a film. Yeah. Like even people who saw it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah as a miniseries. It a yeah. Because it's, I mean, it's only like five hours total. Right? Yeah. You get like, the miniseries world. You got the it thing. Sure. You know, I mean, I mean a, yeah. A whole, whole thing whole opens, up. opens yeah. up. Yeah. I, I mean, and on H- HBO has a ton of like really clutch yeah. limited series. Uh, I Netflix has a couple of decent ones. Yeah. I, and yeah, Roots alone. I mean, come on. I'm talking about classic miniseries. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. Yeah. Okay. Let's, I think yeah, we're, we, this, we beat the two hour month. There. Do tell, we do two hours on this one too? Yeah. Jesus. Tell, tell them how Sorry. to talk to us. Uh, yeah. God, if you want to hear more than two hours of thoughts on television, you can. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why you'd want that. You can go to goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. Tell us your favorite TV shows, what didn't make the list, and what should have. Let us know. Goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. You can find uh, us on those social media platforms at Good Trash Media. We're not super active on there. I'm the most active on social media. You can follow me at Dollywood Squares in most places, I guess, if you want. Um, that's me on Threads and Letterboxd and Insta and Threads. I know. We'll see if it happens. I don't know that I'll <laughs> stick with it. I mean, it has no following only function. What? Come on. Launch too early, my opinion. Launch too early. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, last but not least, uh, if you go to patreon.com forward slash GTM, you can find out uh, about uh, supporting the show. In fact, coming out of the summer of lists, we oh, have nice. a Patreon a Patreon. Pick. Pick. That's true. So if you go to patreon.com forward slash GTM, you can get more information on picking a movie for us to discuss here on this very program next week. Arthur, whose pick is it? What did they pick? Tell us some more. Our friend Taylor has... Uh, Thanks, Taylor. Yeah, gotten us uh, going somewhere we don't go a lot, and that's animation. And he has chosen the 1982 fantasy classic... The Last Unicorn. I've never seen it. And he has gifted us all a copy of The Last Unicorn to read. So we are going to attempt to read a book, uh, a, a very alien thing for all of us. Uh, <laughs> we are going to attempt to talk about a 1982 cartoon uh, with a just stacked uh, voice cast. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Chris Lee's in it, right? Yeah, uh, Chris Lee, Mia Farrow, Alan Arkin. Uh, uh yeah, I mean, it is insane who's in this cast. So uh, there you go. Taylor, we're going to be watching The Last Unicorn for you, bud. Uh, so thanks for picking that, and thanks for supporting us. We love it. So there you go, dear listener. You keep watching, we'll keep talking, and we'll see you all next time. I'm not free. I'm not free.